Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What is up, Gypsy Gang? We are back for 2024. I can't believe it. We made it through 2023. She was uh, she was a wild one. But we're back. Uh, hopefully, we're better than ever. Um, I'm very excited. Every time we get into the new year, met with new goals, new challenges, new aspirations, a new season of Supercross, which I'm very excited about. But most importantly, I am just excited to be back sitting in this chair recording epic shows with really great people. And today's guest... Well, he's one of those great people. He started basically as a practice mechanic at the very bottom of the organization at the Honda Racing Team, uh, building practice bikes for Ricky Carmichael back in the day in Florida. Uh, and he has rose through his 20-year career at Honda to now the team manager of HRC and had maybe the best season in history of any team manager ever. They won all but one title last year. So they almost swept both classes, both series. Uh, It was absolutely phenomenal. And as the Supercross season approaches, as Jet and Hunter move up to the 450, as Joe Shimoda comes on as the 250 rider now, there's probably not a better time to get Lars on the podcast. I've wanted to do this show with Lars for a really long time. Every time we've ever hung or interacted, he's always just been the nicest, coolest guy, uh, and he has as much moto insight and knowledge as anyone on planet earth. So I'm very excited for this show. It ended up being as fantastic as I thought it would be. And I'm very, very excited for you guys to listen to it. But before we do that, uh, some announcements, some news, some sponsors, all of the above. Uh, First of all, the Gypsy 500, this thing is close to being a sellout. Uh, So we're capped at 200 teams So if you do want to get in on the action, uh, make sure you head to verbmoto.com slash gypsy500. Basically, it is a 500-minute, so that's about 8 hours, 20 minutes, uh, 500-minute mix between moto and enduro. It's in Mesquite, Nevada. It is at one of the coolest tracks on the West Coast. It is run by one of the best organizations, uh, and I'm promoting it with the guys and girls at Verbmoto. It is going to be one of the funnest race weekends of the year. Um, so yeah, just make sure you don't miss out because it'll get sold out and then you won't be able to do it till next year. And you just don't want to be the dude that almost did that race. So I really hope 
that I get to see you all there. Um, again, hit that link, verbmoto.com slash gypsy500. Uh, as we start this new year, there is no better time to make some commitments to yourself and your health. And I'm going to be carrying over one of my favorite habits from 2023 by taking AG1 first thing every morning once again in 2024. Taking AG1 is one of the easiest things that you can do for your overall health, and the best part of it is that it only takes one minute each day. I know every morning when I take AG1 that I'm giving my body the highest quality nutrition as each batch goes through a rigorous testing process and every single ingredient is sourced for high absorption, potency, and nutrient density. Now I'm always traveling, I'm always training, and it is incredibly hard to stay on routine, but AG1 acts as that constant I need no matter what scenario I'm in, and the travel packs make it really, really handy uh, to make, make sure that I'm never really having a reason to miss out. Daily use of AG1 increases my intake of vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants all in one place, and it personally gives me that extra boost of energy I need on long days. I feel like it's really helped my skin. Maybe the biggest improvement is in my overall gut health. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it is AG1, and it's why I've partnered with these guys for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health in 2024, start with AG1, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash gypsytales. That's drinkag1.com slash gypsytales. Check it out. All right. We also have a couple of exciting announcements we have two amazing new sponsors that are on board this year. So the first cab off the ranks is the crew at motorsport.com. I've been wanting to work with the motorsport.com crew for a really long time. I just love what they do. Uh, I love how much they give back to the sport. Um, and when I started talking with Bryce and Kellen and the boys over at motorsport, one thing was like, how can we make really, really dope content? Uh, and I've always viewed Gypsy Tales as a content platform first. Uh, and I feel like I win and the audience wins when we have companies that support us to make awesome content. Uh, and that's what this whole deal with motorsport.com is about. So there's going to be a bunch more information uh, coming out over the next little bit. But we're very, very excited to be working with the team at motorsport.com. <clears throat> They've also come in handy massively. I was smashing the website right before World Vets with all of my last minute needs. Uh, so very, very thankful, very excited to be working with the guys and girls at Motorsport. Massive thank you to our other sponsors that are staying on board as well. Fist Handwear, Boost Mobile, uh, just to name a few. But uh, that's it from me. I'm going to stop now because this is an epic episode of the podcast and I'm so stoked for you all to hear it. Enjoy this episode with Lars Lindstrom. Lars Lindstrom is joining us for this because it's potentially the final podcast for the year, mate. And uh, been wanting to do this one for a long time. Glad we're uh, glad we're doing it. Yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. It's, uh, it's cool to see the whole Gypsy Tales type of you know deal there that you know I, I know that you've been doing it for a while and it looks really 
really good. So excited to be here. Oh, appreciate it, mate. So we're getting you off the back of maybe your best professional year ever. Could be, is it safe to assume that? Ah, uh, yeah, no, maybe about it. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, I, there was really only a few tiny things that could have been better. You know, we, we, I guess we could have won all seven, you know, championships that were available with, uh, you know, the SMX 250, uh, title, which, uh, you know, coming into this year, we're, we weren't even sure how big of a deal it was, you know? So, um, really to win all three supercross championships and both outdoor titles has never been done by Honda, by anybody. So, um, we can, the only thing we could possibly do better is, is win the SMX title, which, you know, that, that would be really greedy to think that you can do all that. And so for me, um, this past year, I, I can't see it getting any better. And hopefully we can just, you know, try to, what I've been saying is just try to, you know, stay on the wave yeah. and, and just keep it going as long as we can. I think we can for a long time with the riders that we have and the team that we have. Man, what a crazy juxtaposition to 20 years of nothing and then one year of everything yeah <laughs> it's like just grind and grind and grind and man i'm like in you know preparing for this just thinking about all of the amazing riders that have gone through hrc in the time since the last title and it's like not like the talent wasn't there it's not like the team wasn't there it's just that hard to win these championships you know like yeah. you just gotta have everything so so right and then yeah from nothing to everything yeah i i kind of was uh you know thinking of it as we had so much bad luck and these things happen not just bad luck but you know we maybe weren't the best uh, compared to some of the guys that were winning the championships but um but we it wasn't for lack of trying you know we yeah. we worked our ass off the whole time the time the um the years that even I wasn't there when I was working with Chad. Um, the guys were, you know, doing the same thing, trying to every year look at themselves and see what what you know needs to be better, what we could have improved on. You look at the teams that were winning at the time. You know, for a while it was um, like RVE or someone like gets in there, you know, and they start winning, and then the next guy to win maybe it was like Anderson or something, seventeen. I can't remember something like that. And so then it's like, okay, the Alden Baker program, you, that's it. That's, that's it. That's the only way to win. Yeah, yeah. totally. You know, like you, you, you got to do it that way. And if you're not, then you're not going to win from now on, basically. And and it, it kind of makes sense when you look at it. You're like, yeah, that, that's, you know, a, a proven way to do it. And and um, and having all the guys battling during the week and, and preparing and doing all that, you know, could raise them to a level. But then all of a sudden you do it a completely different way or somebody else does it a different way. So it kind of throws everything out of uh out of whack you know so um yeah like i said it, it 20 years to not win and then to win everything one year is crazy um and um yeah nobody's you know wait you know nobody's happier than 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 me but uh, i'd like to think that but you know there's so many people that have been trying for so long and um it's just so nice to get you know that offer back and and then try to just focus now on staying there it's funny like People, you don't have context, like the average fan probably doesn't have context about like the group of people that have been working on making Honda a force in motocross, like for these last 20 years that they weren't winning. You know, like it, it really hit home for me at Loretta's, like I met Bill Savino there. And so we started chatting and it's like, he's been so involved in the company for so long 
on like the management business sort of area, but like still involved in the in the race team. And it's like you could even see how much it meant to him, like talking about it. And that gave me a totally fresh perspective. Like I'm so used to just you're at the races, you see the race team, you know the race team, like you kind of get to know the the people and you think, oh, it must mean so much to them. But then, yeah, there's so many people on the corporate side and the back end side that, you know, they're not as visible to like the industry or to, to the fan, but there's just so many people like Bill that are involved in Honda. Like that really gave me perspective of, of like the effort that goes into winning those championships. Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, because not even, you know, Bill's not in our department anymore, but um, he was there for, for a bit and would have liked to have him a little bit longer. But uh, um, but yeah, obviously he's super close to, to us, uh, you know, on the racing side. Um, and then just all the different departments yeah. that, you know, the, the race team is, um, if, you, if you go by anybody's cubicle at Honda, different, doesn't matter what division, could be, you know, auto, you know, marketing or any of those things. And for the most part, definitely the power sports and products guys, Marine, all those, there, there will be a poster of racing almost every one of them, you know, and they, and, and, uh, and it's usually our riders, you know, it's a, if it wasn't Kenny, it was, you know, now it's Jed and Hunter and, and the boys. And, um, so it means a lot to the company Yeah, and it's, a. Uh, you know, it's just kind of a a way for the people to show. You know, they they, they kind of get um, in deep with the company. You know, like they yeah. have they have a lot of uh, emotionally invest, invested into the company, and, and and it becomes something that they really are a part of. So it's cool when you know those kind of people get rewarded with you know finally some some results. You know, and then being able to, even in uh, Japan, you know, we're just yeah, in Japan, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, we went through. Uh, in Kumamoto, down in in the southern part of Japan, is a, a the factory where the CRF is produced and and the, the assembly line, development, everything's there. It's a big facility, and uh, I mean we went through different divisions there. You know the one division, the the assembly line, the engine assembly, the um, even where they they press the tanks. You know the titanium. Yeah, and they, they do yeah. All all of yeah. those things, and everywhere we went into, there was just a big like group of them that work in that area. And as soon as we walked in, um, standing ovation. No way. Like, I don't know how many, 10 probably. <laughs> it was super cool. There was a machine shop and everybody in there stoked, you know. And then there's the, the posters up on the walls and things like that that I helped, you know, you know, get over there. The, the guys from HRC or, or KMO, as it's called, on the southern part, HRCs in Tokyo, um, they're, you know, asking, hey, can you send us some posters? Can you send us this? And um, so, you know, I'm help, having to or, organize that and through our guys. And then you see them there and everybody's so stoked just for one thing, you know, like, yeah. that makes it all worth it, you know, because then you walk in there and then they see the boys and it's like they've never seen, nah. you know, they, they're so far removed from any of that. So for them to see them like in the flesh and, and get to like, you know, say hi to them, take a picture with them. Like that whole experience was super special. Yeah, and it just gives you such a sense of how many hands touched the bike. Like the finished product, what gets you on the racetrack, or not not just the bike itself, but in terms of the people it takes to get those riders on track, and the personnel, and the time, and the, just there's so much random stuff that 
the average person would just not see yeah. or or expect you know so it must have just been such a cool thing to live through yeah no it was it really something that you know i don't know i said it before like i don't know how that um my career can get like i've kind of peaked <laughs> like <laughs> <Yeah>. real quick <laughs> but uh so yeah the, i mean the goal is obviously to to stay here and, and keep it going and and uh and as I kind of alluded to, like our, our future is so strong because I mean, Jet's 20, yeah. Hunter's 24, Joe's 21, you know, Chance is 18. Like we, we have such a young team, but we have a freaking strong team too. Yeah. And, um, and, and the amount that the boys are able to be involved in production development by, you know, for the future bikes is going to be something that's going to help, I think, everyone and it's going to help them, you know, yeah. to be comfortable in the next version. And then, you know, so hopefully they can stay with us for a very long time and i know i know that our goal and and what they've told us too is that they will stay with us for their career yeah it doesn't happen very often but i really think that in this case it could well i mean for ev all the indications i've got is like that's basically the way that they see their career going and you think about the implications that has for honda as a manufacturer like you see what roger and dunge did for a production ktm you know, it's just crazy. That, and especially operating on like the Austrian timescale is a bit different to the Japanese timescale. But that problem is kind of circumvented when you're dealing with, yeah, a 10-year career. Like 10 years and Jet's 30. That's insane, you know. Like Tomac was in his prime at 30. So it's like even working on, a, I guess you could say, a slower timescale, you've just got so much time to work with those guys and like fine-tune the motorcycle then you got darren as well you know you've kind of got like a three rider team even yeah. though it's it's two riders so yeah yeah it's such a a really cool time and it's like the you know like the meme you see on instagram of the dude picking and there's like the diamond and he's like turned around and just gone back it's like i'm sure that's how honda felt for 19 years you know <laughs> yeah no for sure it's been uh, long time waiting for something like this and yeah so it's um yeah it's a great time for us at honda right now how is it for you personally to manage the year like every time i see you so chill and you're always <laughs> like cruising but was it a stressful year on your end or was it almost like you guys did all the work and it's just it unfolded the way that you'd hoped it unfolded in a sense um the stress was kind of in different areas that it's been in the last previous, I mean, the previous years. I mean, it's only my second year as ma manager, but I worked real close with Eric Kehoe the years before that when I was crew chief. Um, and so, you know, there, there, yeah, there's different stress. Like, you know, the, when the, this bike was new in 21, there's the, the stress of developing that and just getting parts at the time, you know, with the COVID situation and all that, that was, you know, a huge undertaking and, and just trying to make it all happen, you know? And then, and then on top of that, trying to develop the bike to be good. Um, yeah. So and uh, and obviously, you know, different riders, different stresses. You know, you you know when you're dealing with a guy like, um, yeah, for example, like Ken Roxon or something like that. What what he needs and trying to get him to a spot where he can win. And then it's a little bit different than Chase. You know, who's quite a bit. They're both quite a bit different than the brothers. Um, who they all demand. A the, different the, thing. Yeah, and, yeah, and obviously the best for them, you know. Uh, it's not the same for all of them. Um, so trying to figure that out. This year, though, I feel like it was the third generation uh, or third uh, year of this current that generation. Yep. Yeah. 
And so I think that we did, you know, we pushed really hard after the 22 season, uh, developing with Japan and, and pushed them for improvements. Um, and they really delivered, I think. Um, so that, that was a huge help. Um, and I think that we came into the year pretty confident. Um, but yeah, the stresses were, of course, you know, Supercross when, uh, when Chase, you know, would have, you know, the wind wrapped up and then something would happen. It was almost like Groundhog Day, you know? Yeah. Um, and trying to figure out what was going on, you know, like what, what is, is it, you know, all on us? Is it all on him? Is it a combination of both? And I think we all kind of took it as probably a combination. And so we never stopped, stopped trying to get him happier and get him more comfortable. And to a point, I think that where he got really comfortable where he'd be gone, you know, yeah. and, and still pushing hard. And then maybe the track would go away or something and, and, and something would happen. But, um, it was, uh, that was, really stressful i mean the year before that in the outdoors just trying to figure out some way to win this championship you know <laughs> that, i mean i've racked my like i racked my brain for you know the, the entire summer especially towards the end there when it was so close. close i mean we're just a point one weekend and then three points and then back to a point and then you know leading a little, little bit too and trying to figure out some way to get an advantage you know like and, and what is that and you know and um what'd that look like for you like what where does your brain go like rewind back to that summer and just like what are you thinking of as like a thing that you can do as a team to like get an advantage um yeah for me it was you know trying to work with the team on how can we get the, uh, a whole shot every time and yeah. then at, at some point that didn't really matter that much anymore because they were so much better than everyone it seemed like that they were getting you know it didn't matter where they every were. time yeah. yeah yeah and Eli would be right there um so yeah just trying to work on getting the bike better so that chase could you know go faster without taking as many chances or being just more comfortable um you know getting him in the right you know mindset to where he was you know really confident and, and doing his thing without really like you know i'm not i'm not gonna like yeah, go up yeah. to the rider and be like bro this is what you gotta do like this you know yeah. like you know like a hot band yeah or like yeah. A, you know everybody wants to be like that high school coach that comes in there and just gets their guys motivated it and makes and, the difference and they go out there and just kick everybody's ass like <laughs> that's what you want to do yeah and and maybe sometimes that happens but you know reality is that um you just try to make everything the best you can to give them the opportunity to perform and and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't, you know, but, uh, but yeah, that, that last, those last two rounds, um, Ironman, it was like, if we, uh, won both motos, we could have gone into the last moto with enough of a lead to just get second and, and win, you know, and it, or the swing was the complete opposite, yeah. if we, you know, so I think we won, uh, or Eli won the first moto. If he would have won the second one, it would have been pretty much game over. And then Chase won the second moto. You know, like so we brought it right back again to one point. And so then it was again Apollo. If if we win the first moto, we're good. Yeah, we just got to get second. Which, yeah, and and uh, and freaking Eli was able to beat him. You know, and go to the last moto just ahead. And then the last moto didn't. You know, I think Chase was pushing hard to do whatever he could. And, and it didn't work out. So um, that was at the point too. We hadn't we hadn't won any any four fifty championships since '04 outdoors, and so it was just like, come on, you know, we got to do it. You know, we got to make make it happen at some point. And so for it not to happen was uh, like it was pretty heartbreaking. So and that's with 
like zero knowledge of what was going to happen yeah. in 20 you know what i mean like yeah if i had that knowledge i'd have been like yeah it's uh, all right dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you think? but you are operating without that knowledge and yeah. it's like you're still in that period like we're looking at it now and you guys have you know had that amazing yeah. year and so much pressure's off i'm sure in a sense um where were you in 04 by the way were you involved oh four yeah i was on the team that's crazy yeah <laughs> <laughs> like that is so crazy to think that you know 20 years later yeah you know you've still you you've been in those trenches for that long yeah in 2004 i was building ricky's practice bikes and doing the test guy thing but um even i have his jersey from that glenn helen race with the number one yeah the only race he did with a number one we have that bike at the shop actually by the way um and uh it's signed to me uh you know to lars uh thanks for all the nice practice bikes for florida you know so that's what i was doing in 04 and that's a big graduation from where i was when i started in there in the summer of 2000 because i was an idiot i was just like a dipshit kid you know that didn't know i just raced and rode and you know i i didn't know you know typical kid just wants to have fun and, and ride and um but then when i saw the way that like goose uh you know lived and worked and and shane drew and ron wood all the guys at, at honda cliff white and that's when I fell in love with the team. Yeah. You know, before that, I loved the riders. You know, before I was, you know, Honda guy. You know, diehard because my my family grew up. My dad worked for Honda. Yeah. And um, that's just what we rode, of course. And they were the baddest team in, in the eighties and nineties. I was a huge Jeremy fan um, and Rick Johnson. But uh, so yeah, that's when I kind of fell in love with the team. And then so it's been it's been a long, long you know journey for sure. Man, it is, it is a crazy journey. Like there's a, probably a 12-hour podcast required <laughs> to just like go through kind of everything that you've seen. Um, staying on like the chase thing for a little bit and like that season and then maybe like the motorcycle and then kind of onto jet because I think there's – I just love the storylines of the sport. Like that's my thing that I love the most. And I just – it's been fascinating. Like it's such a – the the dynamic is fascinating with you've got chase that's i mean god like he's phenomenal like as a an athlete as a rider as like his career what he's what he's done but then he's also like an enigma on one sense because if you look at his resume like he doesn't make the mistakes or the the, the resume doesn't reflect the guy that makes the mistakes and has had some of the issues so like he's a crazy kind of athlete on his own and then you get the lawrence brothers who are like i mean <laughs> you, like how do you even script that right you know and then you're the guy that had to navigate that whole dynamic for you know like a, a couple years and it's funny like the motorcycle have a bit of a theory which I think you'd be a very good person to confirm. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, hear it. I feel like a lot of Chase's problems last year were to do with the motorcycle, but not that the motorcycle wasn't a good motorcycle. It was the way Chase and the motorcycle work together, right? So if you look at before you'd see Jet ride a 450, you'd think Chase was like the perfect technique. And then Jet comes along, and I feel like from watching those two ride, they're doing almost everything the same, except under braking, Chase is putting so much load through the motorcycle. And under braking, Jet is trying to take load away from the motorcycle. 
And so I think that one style works extremely well for that particular motorcycle and one style doesn't. It just pushes it to like this weird kind of place. And I know from riding a stock bike, the bike has like, it gets to a spot in the turn and it's almost like a predictable oversteer, if that makes sense. Like you kind of, with the geometry and the rigidity, like everything the way the stock bike is, it just kind of like has that point. And I've from riding it, I'm like, I feel like you could learn that. But that like it's a characteristic as such, mm. and so I, for me, what it looked like last year is Chase was just putting too much load through the bike, and it was just a technical thing, a way that he did, a way that he rode. Two fifties, you could get away with it because there wasn't as much like inertia and actual like carry on weight when you are trying to break if that makes sense yeah and uh so it looked like that's where those problems are coming from and then because that's everyone's going it can't be the bike look at jet but it's like there's two dudes that look very similar but i feel like are doing a very different thing in terms of like the forces they're putting through the bike yeah i mean i I think every bike has its um characteristics characteristics and and those you know positives and negatives right and you got to maximize the positives and, and minimize the negatives and I think that we got the bike to a spot where he, and Chase does put a lot of weight on the front and, and he puts a lot of trust in the front. Um, I think we got the bike to a spot where it had good traction and, and it felt good and, and he was comfortable. And it's very obvious that he was pretty comfortable. He was like fastest, like 13 out of 17 <laughs> in practices, you know? Fast. Yeah. And uh, looked amazing while doing it. Right. Yeah. But I do think that when you get anything to that level, it's like a road race bike, you know, yeah. you, when you lose it, I mean, it's gone. Yeah. It's, there's, it's not, it's, it's on a, it's on a razor's edge, you know, like that, at least that's my opinion. Um, and there's not a lot of saving it in that situation. And, and I think Chase is okay riding on that edge because, you know, he, he's used to just the, the fastest he can go. That's what he's practices. I, I mean, he's, he's gnarly. And um, so riding that edge right there, he'll, he's comfortable putting it right on the edge, like I said, where the other guy might be like, okay, the edge is, is here, but I'm not going to get it all the way up to that edge. I'm going to get it close as I can. I'm going to you know, I'm going to try to be better in this area over here. And like I said, that goes for every motorcycle, you know, hundred percent, right? Like nobody, no motorcycle is perfect in, in all areas. They have strengths and they have weaknesses. So, you know, you got to learn that edge. And I think Jets naturally, and I don't want to give it all to him as natural because he works his ass off to do it. And the way he rides and everything like that, he's, he learns the bike, but to him, it, it, he probably learns it quicker. Yeah. Like he's got like, and, and, uh, there's different types of talent, right? And I think one talent that he has probably is that he knows what he needs to do and he figures that out in his head before he actually does it. You know, he learns quick. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, that's why he's he's been able to figure out on the bike, you know. I mean, I guess we're going to find out here in Supercross, right? <laughs> yeah, we haven't really yeah. done that a lot of those, but so far so good. Um, but yeah, to me, um, it's just you know, Chase is, is willing to put it on the line right there and God bless him for it, you know, cause he yep. makes, he, he does some incredible things. So, um, I think that, uh, yeah, hopefully we can get the bike in a spot for, for everybody in the future that it's a little bit more neutral for, for everyone, you know, cause, uh, 
there's some things that does amazing, you know? Well, and that's the, that's what I was about to say. So it's like, you can, you can say, okay, the bike has this characteristic here. And then for these circumstances, that's great. And then for these circumstances, it's not great. So it's like every, even a strength is a strength in a certain area, but then you can apply the, the it's two sides to every coin, you know? So right. like the strength over there makes it a weakness here, but the weakness here is a strength over there. And I just think, yeah, certain guys gel with certain things. But do you think there's anything to like the way, like the difference in technique in terms of like loading and, and unloading? I think so. I mean, uh, Jet probably loads the bike more neutrally than, and I think Hunter does too. Um, like we said, I, I think Chase is a, a pretty big guy too. So yeah. maybe that, you know, the weight shift has something to do with that too. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, I think that it probably has a little bit to do with that. I mean, obviously Jet, I think fell one time in the summer at, and that was because he cross-roaded at that high point where he wasn't comfortable that day anyways. Yeah. Um, so yeah it's it's hard to say i guess we'll we'll have to see here in the future yeah yeah because i just think i i mean i wonder what your take is here but i would love more i don't know what the word is but like you watch a moto gp race right it's like they're very honest everywhere about the bike strength and weaknesses you know i feel like in motocross and supercross it's very like everyone just across the board from like the teams to the riders to the media like i feel like everyone it's just the bikes are almost a non-issue in our sport in in the the way that they play into like the storylines and stuff like that and i kind of wish at times it was a bit more like open in terms of like what we're doing what we're using what we're trying even if it's (laughs) fake news like i just (laughs) want to hear something you know but yeah, because it's like you can ride that motorcycle stock and it's like it's so different in so many ways, like how easy it is to corner and how light the bike feels and like how skinny it is. And it's just like it is a really cool motorcycle. Like Honda made something crazy there. And then you can go on the Yamaha 450 and it's like that bike is also insane. Like it, that does some crazy, weird, different stuff that is completely unrelatable to any bike. But it's like those differences kind of aren't very – they're not very prominent in terms of like the – I guess the broadcast and how it kind of comes across. I'm not sure if you feel the same. Yeah, I, I will I, – I do think that um, when it comes to like MotoGP, they're riding prototype bikes, you know. Yeah. Like so they can say my bike is a pile all they want, you know, it's prototype. You can't go buy that bike. You That's know? true. Yeah. Um, where we're, we're actually marketing bikes that what we make and sell that are very similar to the ones very we're racing. Similar, yeah. And I mean, I've, you know, ridden pretty much every bike out there and they are all very good. Everybody says that because it's true. Yeah. Like the production bikes nowadays are really good. It's just whatever suits your style. And, um, there's not really, you know, one that just crushes everybody, you know, like if you go to do lap times. Oh, you, for sure. If you yeah. were to go do lap times on a MotoGP bike, I guess, you know, like with the traction and the predictability or, you know, of, of the track and all these things that you, you could, you could put it down to lap time. You yeah. know, this guy can only do this, but on a dirt bike, it's to me, it's not that big of a change. It's just, you know, you want to make some changes here or there to make, to make it do this, that you want to do better. Um, 
But I do think that we have been a little bit more out there with, and I, and I say that, push that sometimes too, even like when we make changes, if we go a little bit, you know, stiffer here, even if we make a fork change, I've, I've suggested this before, have like a cartridge there and be like, show like, oh, here's, here's a couple shims and we preloaded it this much to do this change. Yeah. And like, so that people can see a lot of times uh, they don't really want that because there's too much of a broad audience and some people don't mm. really, but they're, they're open to it. The, you know, especially I, I speak with the TV, you know, production team, like all the time. Yeah. Like we have really good communication with not just with them, but they may with Feld like that. I've been surprised at how good it is. Um, yep. And maybe it's just gotten better and I came yeah, in at the right time. Is that, yeah, I was going to say, is that recently? But Probably. But in a couple of years yeah. where you're in that role. But yeah. I get that vibe from everyone, though, that yep. it's like getting better. For sure. And and they have been doing a great job of um, of just communication, you know? Like we have a group text with all the managers. Like we we're on that thing during the day, like – you know, Jeremy Coker might say, or Larry Brooks might say, you know, hey, the, the whoops have the, you know, like a, I think it was at um, Tampa this year, the whoops are like really long. And the last whoop was like in the turn before you turn to make a right. And it, it made the section like kind of one lined. And so the suggestion was, hey, let's take out two of the whoops at the end uh, or one or whatever it was. And, and everybody kind of like thumbs agrees yeah. that, yeah, yeah, thumbs up on, on the text, right? Luckily, there's not one person on there with an Android, so like you can still have the <laughs> thumbs up in there. Yeah. <laughs> so um, th- those kind of things just happen without like having to like go through the pits and talk to this and um, all that is like quick and easy. Just like everything else has become quicker and easier, you know, like with you know messaging and Teams meetings and Zoom yeah. or whatever it is. It, like it's just gotten so much easier to communicate those things, and it like you you get somewhere. Um, and also with the TV too, we have like kind of a group thread with them and they're, you know, Will Christian might be like, Hey, I need to come over and get an interview. Yeah. You got five minutes. Yeah. Stuff like that happens all the time now. Um, like I said, I don't know if that happened before. I don't, I don't think so. Cause it seems like it's. Yeah. From what I understand it, that's not how it's been for the last like 20, 30, (laughs) 30 years, you know? Yeah. And even, uh, AMA Feld, um, MX sports, like we have these calls with them and the, you know, deciding on future plans and all these you know rules and whatever and uh and everybody kind of has a say and they genuinely seem interested in what we're doing and creating the future of the sport which is really strong right now because of them talent getting you know together and and uh having having one unified like tv um uh or with having peacock you know for everyone you know it's 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 just so much better man it's been crazy to watch like i was very vocal about certain things that i thought needed to change and like the the breath of fresh air to go into this year or like 2023 and just see so much change like i think as a fan like lifelong fan of the sport i've always thought i'm sure you've always thought we've got one of the coolest sports in the world yeah you know like it's just the guys are so gnarly and ever since I started doing the podcast and the people that would message and the, the different, you know, actors and different sports and different, like just all of these people, musicians that are just so into Supercross. And I'm like, we are so under leveraged. Like we are the <laughs> shit, you know, as a sport. Like look at what, look at the eyes on us from, you know, these different places. But it just didn't feel like for the, for the level of social proof mm. that it feels like we have amongst you know, our peers, 
it's like it, the the sport doesn't reflect that. The the riders, right. you know, the the way that their deals are done and the sponsorship and the like, the people that are in the, it's just it it's stuck as like it's an industry. It's it's its own little bubble. And I'm like, man, we're so much bigger. Like we've got more to offer than that. And these last this last twelve months, especially, it really seems like the teams are trying to go forward. The sports trying to go forward, like MX Sports and Feld getting together. It's like it really does seem like there's a big kind of push. And I said, I said to Davy Coombs at the Alpine Stars thing, I was like, mate, it's just like surfing. There's a wave coming. You better fucking paddle because <laughs> you need to get on that wave because you don't know when the next one's coming and you don't know if someone else is going to be on it. So it's like we're on a wave or like there's a wave coming, like paddle. Yeah. And let's make sure we get it. And that honestly feels like the vibe. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, like I said, that's been my analogy this you know, past year is that we're on this wave. We just need to keep pumping that wave. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if we, with, as far as the the series too, I mean, I, I know that even just our, our social media presence, things like that is really strong compared to other, like that seems like huge series, you know, like um, it's, um, I, I think even though I think that our sport might have a tough time ever being one of the, the big sports, you know, it's definitely got a ways that it can go and it's going that way. It, it feels like, um, and yeah, just exciting. It, some of these things are just super exciting to have. Um, the, like I said, the same Peacock, we can watch Supercross and we can watch race day live and all this cool yeah. stuff. Like if you're a mega fan, Oh, it's been unreal. There's so much content, right? And um, there's guys like my buddies that are texting me on race day and they've seen stuff during the day that I had no idea about. Like they're, <laughs> they'd be like, Hey, this guy's not racing, huh? What do you mean? They're like, no, no, no. He, he, he cased that one triple and he's, it looks like he's, you know, and I'm like, cool. Like, thanks, <laughs> thanks for the info, you know? So um, even during the nationals, I'm texting Torrance, you know, like um, with uh, Ricky Rock, our guy, uh, you know, that's our, our special projects guy. And I'm like, hey, dude, what's the overall? Because the screen's not working, you know? Like, and he's just on it. You know, he's got all this information for me. Uh, stuff like that is just super, super cool. And and um, in, uh, also with, like, the fantasy stuff and all that. Before I was, like, traveling every race, I was, like, doing that. I was into it. It was fun. Because then you start, you know, looking at the privateer guys that you wouldn't necessarily know about and doing all that. All that stuff was is cool. Like, it's a good time to be a fan right now. Oh man, I cannot agree more. And and like, yeah, we might not ever be with the NFL and like, which that's probably good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like let's not get to that level. But I mean, there's so much room to to grow. And like, I think what was that contract in baseball the other day? Dodgers seven hundred seventy mil. And it's it. Oh, the pitcher. I guess they just signed a pitcher for like some, I guess ten or seven year deal, seven hundred and seventy mil. Wow. It's like, well, let's just get 10% of that yeah. for Jet. Or yeah. for, you know, like if we imagine a living in, you know, in that kind of world. And yeah. I think that it's definitely possible. And like there's two properties that you have with a sport. Like you have the entertainment property and then you have the sport property. And then that's like, how do you make those things kind of like yeah. work together? Like the sport aspect of it grows in terms of, you know, I've got a ton of ideas in terms of like in-ear communication and, and like just different things for the broadcast package, different ways of, um, you know, integrating the series and things like that. So it's like there's the the sport side, but then there's just 
you can focus on the social media and like the fan experience and the the TV package and like the online package and the, there's so much room for it to grow and it just yeah it seems like there's a lot of good people that are in tr- like interested in pushing it that way and like even Weed was in here last week and he's saying like all the team managers and all the team uh like the teams are saying okay boys like we don't need the sponsorship Dunlop tires like right. we don't need exactly that on the podium now and you've got like i think jet and hunter and are amazing at that balance of like having personality using it as their time while also getting like the messaging across but it's like we're even living in an era now where the teams are saying don't worry about the 20 pit board sponsor yeah. reads like we're we're moving on from that era and like just that's huge oh yeah for sure and we haven't pushed that in a long time i'm not sure at, at any point where we were like you have to read yeah. off these sponsors. Some, I guess, some, some sponsors, maybe even on some other teams, are like, "Hey, you have to mention this guy at this because they like that or, or whatever." I, I've never really had to be involved in that, and we've never pushed our guys to, at least, especially not in my two years now, of like, you know, this and that. I, I do know that yeah, we we want to make sure that we're. I mean, we are Honda. We're we're there. That's that's our that's what we're doing there is we're advertising for our, our yeah. product, right? But that happens when they're on the podium and they got their their jerseys on and all that stuff. Um, so we don't really need them to talk about that. It, it's always nice when they want to and they say something cool. Um, but but yeah, just showing their personality and, and yeah, bringing new viewers or just people that really like, I mean, obviously Jet, you know, he's natural up there. Yeah. He's, he's just saying whatever he thinks and it happens to <laughs> work out, think. you know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then Hunter, Hunter is super clever, as oh, you, know, dude. you know. Crazy. Like yeah. he's got these quick, comebacks especially you know making fun of jet or something like that and he and and they're usually kind of like deadpan too you know like yeah, he's, just, yeah. he's he's classic when it comes to that stuff so i hope i mean i know that um he's getting more like recognized as that i think you know because um jet takes a lot of that that spotlight i guess but the more people get to know hunter's personality i think he'll he's going to gain even more fans you know because dude's pretty funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's very very smart um yeah uh, what what do you think that that was like do you think that it was the era of just reading the pit board like literally reading the pit board you know like do you think was that yeah maybe the teams never sort of said it but it just became like a thing that guys did it because a lot of these guys they're just races like they've just forever raced and it wasn't there was never like the internet wasn't as prevalent the same kind of questions would get asked and um, maybe it's like they just didn't want to deal with the extra thing of like okay who am i what's my personality like what am i trying to get across here maybe it just became like this industry-wide safe zone where it was like i just want to thank monster energy Circuit, kawasaki port thor parts unlimited like <laughs> you know everyone just kind of had their thing and they said it and then they got off like what what do you think it was I mean, I, I would have to think that it was mainly due to sponsors and sponsorship, you know, like, especially if you're not even a factory team, right? You, you, you're you relying on sponsors to keep you racing. Everybody wants to go racing, but, you know, the, the business behind it to just get you there is, is not easy. So you want to make sure that they're, they're, they're getting what they want, which is recognition and, and people to know their name and so they can, they can go buy their products and do their thing right just like anything else um and i think that it's it's tough to make ends meet sometimes so it's pretty important 
to to make sure that people know who these sponsors are and if you can do that in a way that's not a robot like reading off like let me just thank this guy and this guy like you know that the natural way is the best way in that situation if you can make it work you know like you know take your pick on whatever you want to say about my dunlop tires like uh, like you know but working it naturally that that's awesome if you can do that and that shows your personality too i think but at the same time um talking about the race keeping fans interested so that you're bringing back more fans and that is probably trumps that so um i I don't know people probably watch grew up watching some of these guys too and and they want to be like them you know and and so they just maybe other sports too same kind of deal nascar or whatever it is um yeah you just kind of end up going that way i don't i think back like I'm, I remember hearing like in the 80s, 90s, stuff like that, they would take the riders to like media training. Yeah. And this is how you should do an interview. I'd like to see the, one of those school classes that they took, you know, were they telling them like, you know, stand up straight and you need to yeah. speak clearly and your primary sponsor should be number one. You say, you know, like, I don't know if it was that strict or that that's what they got taught or if they were like, you know, hey, just be yourself, do this. And, you know, it's probably a little bit of a mixture of both, I would imagine, I guess. Do, do you guys do any media training, like official media training, or does Feld do any media training stuff these days? Um, it's definitely available. Uh, I just think that we've had a group of, yeah, of this, riders. Yeah, that, this time you're pretty sweet. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even then, like, you know, maybe people grew up, like I said, watching these riders and they read off their sponsors like this. Maybe now they've grown up watching enough guys like Pastrana yeah. and um, – I mean, even like, well, Jeremy and uh, guys like that, maybe they've seen enough of these guys now to, and they know, because I, I, it's not just, you know, you and me saying like, you should, you know, be yourself and have a cool personality or show your personality, whatever that personality is. Um, they've heard that so many times now that they're like, okay, I, I, I got that. Yeah. And some riders, obviously that comes naturally to them and some riders it doesn't. But um, if there was somebody that needed some media training, then Feld would be all over it. They would yeah. love to do that, and and um, and so would we. I mean, we we could you know do something like that. It just hasn't really been necessary so far. Yeah, especially with the the crew that you've got now, you know. And I think Chase was pretty good as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, f- I feel like the last sort of generations of yeah, especially like the the HRC guys. AC was saying something when he did the podcast that like even him when he was in the two fifty class. He just felt like when you're on a 250, you just don't get to do that stuff. Right. He's like, you just, you'd only see the 450 guys once they'd won championships and titles. And so I think that there's, yeah, there probably is just influence of who came before you and like what your peers that were before you kind of did and how they acted, you know, and like AC goes, it basically wasn't until I was on a 450 that I've really felt like I was someone in the sport and I could kind of do that i think that psychology makes sense as well but now you look you've had jet do his thing in the 250 class hunter was brilliant on the mic deegan obviously has been amazing on the mic i think joe's got his own personality like he's my wife's favorite writer yeah <laughs> like you know uh, she come to la and that was the one dude she wanted to meet she oh, doesn't yeah. give a fuck about dirt bikes <laughs> in any other capacity yeah so it's like he's got his own flavor and she's like japan's her favorite country she loves anime so it's like she basically looked at him as like an anime character of Super yeah, Plus, yeah you know so it's like everyone has i guess or in the 250 class the modern 
group of riders, it seems like it's kind of opening up a little bit more. And yeah, maybe it's just down to messaging to where it's like, hey, just the sponsor thing. It's like, you're on the podium. We saw the color bike you rode. Yep. The logos are everywhere. Be cool. Show us who you are. Like, you know, yep. get people. You'd have to think like, from a sponsor's perspective, guaranteeing that a podium interview would get a follow on Instagram would just provide so much value mm. because then you're seeing everything, you know, it's like right. just lock people in with the the podium. You, you get this 15 seconds of helmet off getting to show who you are. It only happens to six dudes a night. Like it, that to me, I'm like, that's the most valuable time. And I think the press conference as well is like another area where guys should like really be themselves, like really don't give generic answers because it's like again we're in a sport with helmets on you're riding a motorcycle like we just don't get to see your face on tv we don't get to see who you are so it's like those times where you're on the podium like you just have to maximize that in terms of like personal brand like who are you Hmm. um as someone that i can then be involved with as a fan and for the like the thing with supercross that i always think about as well like we sell out a lot of stadiums all over the US all year. Like if you looked at, I mean, that's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that are going through those stadiums. Like I wonder how many of those people actually like follow the riders on Instagram or follow the teams or will search it on YouTube or will watch every race. Like how many of those people are just going for that? Like, ah, we've been going to Minneapolis Supercross with my dad for – 10 years like the one thing we go to yeah you know so it's like are we even converting every fan that's in the stadium to like a moto fan or are they just there for like that one-time event you know so i think i'd always be interested in finding out those numbers and i think it's like grabbing people that's your chance to grab people it's mm. like even thinking like let's say it's 50 50 you know 50 percent of people are like diehard followers of the sport 50 percent of people are just there because it's in their city yep. for a night and it's like those are the times when you can drag people from the stadium to like a lifelong fan you know yeah totally it's funny to talk to some people that you know if they know like some my kid at school or something that one of the dads sees a hat or whatever you know and they they ask what what you do you know start talking they're like they'll be like oh yeah, we went to a race. It was in uh, Anaheim Stadium, I think, last year. You know, and they're like, "Yeah, we checked it out." And then that—that's it. That's you it. You know, yeah. like then there's other guys that are like, "Oh yeah, like we did that." And and after that, we really loved, um, you know, Chase Sexton. And then we we started following him, and it's like it it does happen both yep. ways. It's just the connection, I guess, that you would get, and that's why a guy like Jet, when he comes on the podium and says stuff, and and then the little kid just gravitates towards that and that makes him tell dad hey i want to i want to yep. do that or let's watch it on tv they're in seattle next week i want to see that race and then you go through it like I, I went to monster jam for the first time ever i brought oh, my yeah. yeah yeah so a bunch of us from the team went it was cool and um, yeah it was super was fun it like good experience yeah it was sweet yeah um i uh we all watched it and obviously you know i had my son uh brought my buddy and his kid and then a couple of the guys have, have kids too so yeah, we watched it and um, and it was like it was in Anaheim, and it's you know didn't start off with like it like looked like about half full, and I'm like, like I've heard that Monster Truck, Monster Jam or trucks or whatever sells out like every time, and like 
wouldn't you know it, like by the end of the night, the freaking stadium is packed. Like they didn't all come in for that first boom, like, you know, show. But by the end of the night, they're all there. Yeah. And then I, I was just wondering, like, you know, they sell all that for the show, right? I don't, I wonder how many people are there to like, all right, let's see if Grave Digger can win like two weeks in a That's row now, you know? such a good point. Yeah, like I, to me, I think we have way more attraction to like follow the for series. Sure. For sure. Right? Like monster trucks, you, you bring your kid, they're freaking, you know, they're they're gnarly. They sound bitching, and you know, they're, they're that whole experience, right? But that's to me more of a show. Yeah. We are kind of a complete package, and um, I think that we retain a little bit more of, of the actual fan, um, or at least draw them into like a, a story of the whole thing. Um, but yeah, just same thing. Like, and actually, Feld's super good with all those numbers. You know, the data that they collect to see impressions and everything that 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 we get. And this past year, they like blew their numbers out of the water. Dude, so that's awesome, yeah. man. I am. Um, I'm actually. This year was cool. Like I kind of, I for the first time got to work a bit more with those guys. Um, and now that I'm here, and I'll I'll be going to basically every race until Daytona. Like I I really am excited to try and like work more with that crew and just like that. Man, there's so that so much more left that they can get yeah. out of it as well you know it's like yeah, it's think, a it's a pro it's a massive process though yeah and it's like yeah they're fully wrong like it's starting to happen and it's yep. super exciting to to see the direction it's going because you're so right like we have a series that you can follow for the whole year almost you know and there's so many properties where it's like a disney on ice or a uh a monster jam where it's just you basically it's just a a show yeah and i think understanding that we have that dynamic and you know even working with the riders on that like you know for chase when he was on the podcast he was talking about that he's like you know supercross needs to decide are we a sport or are we a show and it's like no we're both yeah and it's huge for us and everyone needs to be an athlete and a entertainer to a sense or like at least have that framework in their mind as to like why we're here and what the the value is in a sense but and then i think that's when the rider would then go well i'm not getting paid for that and it's like cool well let's get you paid (laughs) you know so that that's i think the attitude that we need to have going forward right and i think that you know comparing those two together still like the riders the people come to watch the riders and maybe a little bit of a team fan too, you know, somebody for sure. Somebody's yeah. a Cowie fan for life, you know, and and then, you know, RV retires and then they become a Cincerello fan or whatever it is. And so that you can have you can have all that. But you can't you can't have like a um like a gravedigger, right? And then have somebody jump in and drive it that's totally yeah. different. Yeah. And you're like, you know, like Moto, you can't do that. You can't take Jet's bike and just go put some random, you know, guy on it and it's it's just not gonna be the same the results or um you know, just the, uh, you know, his personality and all those things. So it's a little unique to to that because we we are a sport, and that balance has got to be kept in check, right? Yeah. Because, um, and I think that's why we have these meetings with them, and they want to do the same thing, is to to make sure that the integrity of the of the sport is still there, but we're maximizing the show at the same time, and and that's where I'm, hundred percent on board. Like, yeah, let's do that. Um. Because I know there's certain things that we got to do that to some 
diehards are they're just like oh my god dude like this is lame like yeah. why, you know we're we're, we're racing we're, we're here to win races and like hell yeah yeah we are but we also got to like do this to make sure that we're you know gonna you know have the sport and at least keep it where it's at right now so there's all those kind of things are are things that we try to balance out do you have any stuff in your own mind is like if you had a magic wand and like at a1 you could have xyz things either added or changed to the sport like have you got any concepts in your mind that you would love to see implemented um the one thing that i've been asking for for years um is super pole oh I, bang i'm on yeah yeah, yeah. super pole is rad and and ever since i saw it in world Superbike in like 1998 you know whatever it was um and i'm sure it's been around for way longer than that but it just works so well i mean all those overseas races that we do like yeah. geneva, geneva and yeah Percy, um, yeah you know, or paris um have had it for years you know and it works so well where the guy does a lap and the other guy's warming up and as soon as that happens i mean it's just bang 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 and you get a you know 15 minute show and there's like it's a sh that's a show but it's also like there's so much pressure on the rider so they if they are able to to execute and and win it's like huge for them so it needs to be some kind of benefit and i'm not sure that i would want to put money on it or excuse me uh points, points on, on it, it yeah but maybe some kind of bonus money and also you know first pick for for the race for the main whatever it is um that one i've been wanting to do forever and i know they do it in, in world supergrass too um, so that would be, that would be cool. I, I used to always think that the head to head races that we did when we were over in, in those overseas ones would be cool too, but I've kind of moved away from that a little bit. I'm not as interested. It'd be cool. I think you can tick all the right boxes with the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. It would be pretty rad. I, I think it's cool now that they do. Um, I mean, even the, uh, I'm not a huge fan of the triple crown, but I'm not a hater either. Like, I, I think it's cool that we only do, you know, three of them or whatever it is. Um, I don't know if I would want to do more. Because every for everybody on the team, it's tough. For the riders, it's tough. But for the fan, it's cool. Yeah. Or at least not, you know, not every fan, but just get a couple in there. So I, I think it's, I, I like when they do, you know, some different things and switch it up. And especially at, at these SMX races, you know, you have a clean slate. You can do yeah, whatever like you want. Yeah, like a testing Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all those kinds of things. Uh, somebody was talking about, at one point, and I don't know if you saw this in, um, when we did the US Open back in the day, yeah, yeah. we did, um, they wanted to do a mechanics challenge. You had to do like a pit stop yeah. and change your rear wheel and put and then go back out. So we did that and we I had been doing supermoto with McGrath and Ben Bostrom. And oh, so you were guys. just dialed. Oh, so we had like these custom <laughs> yeah. parts that we had made that the bike still worked perfect on the track, but our wheel changes were like butter smooth and they only took, you know, 30 seconds That's compared cool. to whatever it was. and and you know, in like an easy 30 seconds, you could do it quicker if you really, really hauled ass. But um, those kind of things were, were fun. And the, we, we just talked about that recently. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool at either an SMX or something like that. Maybe not during the race, but have some kind of thing like that. Stuff like that, I think is fun. The So the Super Bowl, I absolutely love. And I think what I would like to see, I think that you could ditch opening ceremonies and make the Super Bowl the opening ceremony. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's to say that, like, I, so I, I would love, like, if I could control the broadcast, I would get Ricky, James, and Weege, or whoever it is in the booth, like, on the floor for opening ceremonies. Like, l feel the mute. Like, it, it's so, the atmosphere of Supercross doesn't come through on the broadcast just because it's in that 
booth the whole time. It's like very clinical. It's like very clean. Mm. I almost would love to have those guys on the floor doing like when the fireworks is going, the smoke, they've got lighting. It just would look super dramatic. Like UFC basically does it. I don't know if you watch UFC much, but they'll do like a, at the opening of the the main event, once it goes live on pay-per-view, like the guys are like holding the mics and they're right next to each other, but they're having to yell because of how loud the crowd is. Right. And instantly, like, you kind of charged up because it's like, <laughs> this is going to be one of the best. Like, because yeah, they yeah. have to yell. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And it's like, you're just like, fuck yeah, I'm, a, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm there right now. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No, and, that's cool. Yeah. We, miss, we miss that. And right. it's like, that's, the, that's an easy fix. Or it's like, if you've got to go straight out to the broadcast, maybe it's just, it's not Weege up there. Maybe it's just Ricky, just James, just whatever. Mm. And then, bang, from there, you go into opening ceremonies, which is the Super Bowl. Mm. And so you could have, like, what they, do you remember in Downhill back in the day that have, like, well, they still do it, but they have the hot seat. Mm. So in Downhill, you basically, you got the finals. Oh, if you're the fastest, you sit, And you're the you fastest down and, you, yep. and you, like, stay in the hot seat. Right. So it's like, just think about the TV time, the sponsor time, like, what would your sponsors, if you could go, like your marketing team, went to an outside sponsor and said, look, I got two 450s that's going to be a minute of just prime time opening show. They'll be in there basically every weekend. And if they get the fastest lap time, which like Hunter's probably going to stay for three, four, five, six goes before someone beats him and they're like the camera goes back to the dude that's in the hot seat you know and it's like do the opening ceremonies play the play the intro of like who the guy is as they're coming down for their and you know it change every week but like Mm -hmm. there's the same dude doing the top 10 you know you might have to do 15 intros or whatever but it's like open the show with that it would be so sick and then as soon as it's done fucking bang on a 250 heat race (laughs) you know it's like you could really there's so much energy and there's so much to work with in in like that first 15 minutes of the broadcast and it's like just smash people instantly (laughs) get them in and just like fuck yes let's go do you know mike mewey no, you need to get him on here. He's oh, really? chief of operations and at Feld. He probably want to hire you. Actually, I would love to. I would <laughs> love to talk. I don't need a job. I just tell. I'll just give him a shit. I'd love to work. Yeah, with him. no, he's he's awesome. He he he's into that kind of or you know he's into new ideas and and creating stuff like that. So yeah, that that would be actually pretty cool. Although I do love opening ceremonies when they're done like really good and i think they're they they're, are good too. They're they're working on making them back a little bit more. I think the way they were before, where like. I, I used to love the ones and I still love opening ceremonies like as a fan, you know, like if, if they, they've made like a cool video and then, yep. you know, the, the music kind of builds and then boom, and here comes the rider out. Like, you know, you, you're not a fan if you don't like that but, stuff. But you, you know? I think you could do that. Yeah. Too, I think you could. The, and then they come, they ride yep. through the thing and then they're, they're yep. off. They're well, especially off if you, lap. if you just made like three to five quality intros and then took the, the top guys and then kind of like, maybe shrunk it down from the 10 or whatever yeah. they do now. Yeah. Just bring out the gnarliest guys at the time, you know, and then if you end up becoming one of those, then you get invited in kind of should be pretty exclusive. And then um, just make a killer video for whatever that guy's personality is, which they used to do. They, they did that a few times. And I, and I know that they've taken some constructive criticism from everyone. So I think they're working towards doing that again, but yeah, yeah something like that would be cool. But yeah, 
I think it would be pretty rad to to Super Bowl like straight in, you know. But yeah, it's kind of hard. I, I yeah, I think there's a few different ways to do it. But yeah, and, and I think again we're like having to assume that there's fifty percent of people that have no clue what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's like my wife again. She doesn't. She knows nothing. First time she ever watched Supercross was with me on a laptop. And she was just like, what's going on? Like, what's like, who are these people? What are they doing? What bike is this? What, you know? So it's like in that, in that, uh, you know, let's say opening shootout, opening ceremony shootout, it's like, it's so easy to follow. It's just one dude on the track, the lap, like, it's very, very, very easy to like suck a person in who doesn't really know what's going on especially if it's like a kind of a show as well right, right and in that you know that's where you could lay the foundation of like how the races kind of the the night will go on yeah um what about in-ear communication um i don't really have anything against it um i think it would be cool i mean i'm a huge formula one fan so i i like hearing what you know what's going on there um would you want to be able to like full communication back and forth uh yes yeah 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 because you kind of have to hear the rider right like that's what everybody's gonna be asking or wondering about i think it's cool i just um it's just gnarly for the rider especially supercross to you know there's not a lot of time to lose focus on the supercross track like but maybe a start straight you could maybe listen to somebody or hear hear a lap time but there's not a lot of going back and forth like there is in any other motorsport or you know road or yeah car sport basically yeah um but i think it'd be cool to try and they wanted to do it you know like the monster cup they they allowed it oh okay and nobody really oh that was what 2017 yeah or maybe before even 16 17 something like i think i was at it i remember it was somewhere in that era i think i I believe alessi's the only one that did it of course yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) i love that uh he probably ran it his entire career he's like sweet i can this is the one round i can say i'm doing it at the practice track (laughs) yeah Yeah. um i I think it's cool i mean something like that to like um bring a whole new element to the thing but uh, yeah I, i just don't know if um if it would really have the same impact yeah yeah, yeah. i mean in in the f1 for example like if you didn't have it you'd be totally screwed right like yeah it'd be tough um but for us it's not really the same so it would suck if you were like going to say something and they make a mistake and then they're like dude you talked right when i was on breaking you know or you're whatever and and something like that but i mean whatever i always tell the riders too like i'm like hey why don't you start with a map that's powerful and when you're fresh, you know, the first couple laps, you can get it. And then you switch back. We, we did that before with like Justin Bogle did it um, for us when he was riding for us. And I think Cole did, Sealy. And I'm like, that'd be awesome. And a lot of the times they're like, well, there's too many buttons to push and everything. And I'm like, bro, like yeah. you are a professional. Look at a Formula One yeah, like, yeah. Let's Let's yeah. back yourself. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, and I realize they have a straightaway where they can kind of like go like, you know, hey, I got I can relax a little bit. So I'm not expecting you to, but I mean, you're not, you're, you're not looking at 75 buttons, you know, you're looking yeah. at two. Yeah. So, um, stuff like that. I'm always giving them a hard time cause I'm like, you can do that. Like, you know, but it's just for like, for them, I think muscle memory, right. They can pull a freaking tear off and flip it perfectly right behind them. Yeah. And so they can do those things. I just, sometimes I, I don't think they want to think outside the box like that, you know? Well, I mean, yeah, you nailed it. Like I basically, I rode the stock at World Vets 
And so I just start. Straight. How long was the race? Uh, 20 minutes. And you made it? Yeah, dude. Oh, I, nice. just, I did three motos back to back. Really? Yeah. No charging? Uh, I would charge, but you'd only get a few percent. So oh, yeah. it'd be like a, a little bit. There was the the first day I did two practices that were like two laps. So like six minutes. So 12 minutes. Then my first race was 20 minutes. My second race was 20 minutes. And then I think my third race, I I think it was going to be too low. I didn't want to risk it. So I rode my 350. Mm. And then the fourth race, I rode, rode it. Oh, yeah. So, But I started in 70 horsepower. Really? And then I, as soon as I got around the corner, I whacked it into 60. That's cool. And like, so if I can do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that is genuinely what, like the guy, it's like the tech's not available and there's not a push from people to adopt it. But like, dude, you've seen like Baku and like some of those street yeah. circuits where like, dude, they're just millimeters with a car that they can't, like there's a lot going on and those dudes are like changing shit. They're talking back and forth. Man, have you, have you been, have you had like the headphones on at an F1? Uh, and no, not at an F1. But MotoGP, you would have... Yeah, and like a, you know, some NASCAR stuff like that, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. It blows you away. I like, do listen to the, because uh, I have the F1 app. So, oh, so, so I have listened to the... I've listened to the in-car. In yeah. And I guess it depends on what, what race it is, but sometimes they're not saying anything for a while. And But but I do listen to that quite a bit. And also like the the race engineer, like yep. their tone of voice and everything that they just never get too excited or too bummed. It's just always the same. Yeah. And the... The kind of trains the the driver and keep it calm and stuff. It's kind of cool, dude. Think about if me as a fan, yeah, could sit and tune in to listen to you and Jet, or like imagine Daz, oh, okay. Dazzy <laughs> yeah. and Jet, like right race day live. Yep, and you're just picking the audio that you want. To, I mean, that's that's years down the road. Like even if they said, "Yep, yeah, we're doing it," like to develop those processes and systems, like it take it takes a long time. But like, I mean. I think about it from just a story perspective because that's what the sport is. The sport is a story. Mm-hmm. You've got event, 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 event. They're all these individual events and the story of the championship and the story of the riders. and the te- That's what just gets kind of woven in to like keep people right. coming back to each individual thing. But just the story, you know, like just to be able to have the audio of, you know, someone like a that – Perfect example would have been like Kenny and Jet and Jet's doing the math. Right. And you'd have Jet being like, where am I? What points? And then that would – imagine if that whole like math gate <laughs> situation <laughs> and you're like, dude, no, like you need to win this or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Like just the the different opportunities for that to be fed back into the broadcast then for the social media that gets built off that over the following week. And it's just like – it. I said to Weege the other day, it's like it just thickens up the sport so much. And I mean, I'm sure there's times like you would have loved to have had communication with a rider on track and you're just standing there like, fuck, <laughs> like you can't say anything. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, because you only get the pit board, you know, once a lap. And even then with the, the you know, the amount of room that they give you where the track is choppy and stuff, they, a lot of times they can't see it anyways. Um, so some stuff like that would be interesting if you could tell them things or whatever like that. Um, I wonder if, like, if you ask a rider, that'd be a better question, right? Like, if they would want that. And I think we even said that at some point, and they were like, no way. Like, I wouldn't want that, you know. But it would have to be something that you kind of do during the week. 
Yeah. And then, oh, it just become what would become a normal thing. Right. And there's, there's, there'd have to be kind of like a protocol, right? Like you never talk here, like coming into the whoops, never saying anything, you know, like, yeah, oh, like for sure. So, so the guy that you're talking to has got to be the same person. He's got to be, you know, I guess it would be the crew chief or, or whatever. Yeah. Or and your guy, your mechanic. Yeah. Or like whatever. it'd have to be you, you and him have a special relationship um, where you trust that he's going to say the right thing or whatever and do all these things and, and whatever. Um, I mean, I would think it would be cool. Um, and uh, maybe we'll get to try it at some point. But so far, nobody's like really, we, I guess we, if we had a huge, if it would make a huge impact and, and if it would make like solve some problems that, that we have right now, maybe. But right now it's like we don't really have them. So, yeah. But it would be cool to try, I guess. I think, yeah, you just make it almost like a pit board like there's right. a zone where you can show the pit it's not like you can follow the run around the track with the rider and like yeah, keep yeah, showing yeah. in the pit board and i think yeah you just have designated zones where it's just like this is green for comms right the rider can talk to you at any point and then like how i would see it working is because i've rode again i'm for everyone listening I'm not Joe Lawrence and I'm not <laughs> racing with any – like, I get that. But I did some coaching with Townley in Oz and we had, like, the in-ears and yeah. stuff. Going, and just we spoke the whole time. Oh, yeah. It just was not an issue in the way that you kind of would – it doesn't, like, frighten you. It doesn't yeah. – like, you know that that person's there. Like, you know that there's communication yeah. um, going. So, yeah, I just think – I guess that's probably a good point is like, is it important enough? Like, is it going to move the needle? And it's yeah. like, oh, I personally think so. And it's just like, um, it would be a matter of like trying it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I think too, for like rider safety, blue flags, like lappers, I think it would be huge. Right. Like every rider has, maybe not every rider has two way, I guess, but then you've got to kind of make it fair for everybody. But it's like, there should, I think one thing, that Supercross needs as well as like a, a legit race control, which I think they've sort of half had a bit of this year. And I think they're maybe trying to do a bit more of coming into next year. Yeah. But like one dude race control, and then he can push the, push the button on either all riders or individual riders to where it's like, I, I think about Kenny and Coop um, at Dallas with like the last, oh Houston. That, that was the last race I was a mechanic, by the way. I was I was a mechanic for Kenny that night. Oh really? Because his mechanic got COVID. So you remember that yeah, Dean scenario? Wilson. Like so, imagine, <laughs> imagine then if yeah. you could communicate to Ken. Like I'm sure. Like so, I'd rather communicate to Dean to like, yeah. like, get out of. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be your job. That would be no. The, yeah, you're right. That yeah, would yeah, be yeah. like the race control totally, yeah. guy. You know, so it's like race control can just go straight in. Dean Wilson, hey, leaders are coming. They're on your left, like NASCAR spotter style. Yeah basically but then imagine if you could be in kenny's ear that and like you let's say you and him have the relationship where you could be like go kenny come on you know yeah. and then like he's wants that out of like i just feel like it could be I'd add like a whole layer of complexity to the sport that we kind of you know we're just leaving on the table in a sense you know yeah maybe we need to try it in a lesser series or one-off race or something like that to to see how it works and also if the equipment is even I don't even know what they have right now for, you know, capabilities without having like the big old walkie-talkie thing on the side of your head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they have cool stuff, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd say they'd be able to do, I'm sure you'd be able to do like a 
almost like a receiver transmitter on the bike itself mm. and then run them wirelessly. Right. And you just have like wireless in-ears. Like yeah. there's so much crazy cool For sure, stuff yeah. that, that you could do. But yeah, anyway, I think that's one of my big kind of – I think I just think it would do like a lot for the series. Is there any other stuff that you can think of that you'd love to kind of implement? Uh, one thing that I, I joke about is um, – because so many people get so like bummed about the starting great, especially for outdoor, and they want to go back to dirt. And I get it, uh, you know, because the dirt is what we've always used, and it takes more technique. Um, I guess one thing that would be cool is if I, I think is if you had um, for outdoors, especially, you know, whatever that promoter wants to run on that track. If he has, if he wants to have a concrete start, um, great start, or dirt start just go for it they kind of used to be that way back in the yeah. day and um and there'd be guys like kevin windham that would be amazing on on concrete yeah and then you know guys that wouldn't be you know so the the, the technique was so different that you had to kind of you know just be prepared for that um also it was, it was cool when they didn't have starting lockdowns you know because then it was big yeah. time technique yeah so but um but then again, I would hate to not have my works connection locked down. No. <laughs> yeah. Sponsor plug. <laughs> they um, are good. But uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I think about that kind of stuff, you know, or like interesting things like that to make it back to technique and, and whatnot. But I'm sure there's plenty of other things I'm not thinking of right now because I definitely like to try to, you know, come up with something new and different. And like, so let's say Fell comes to you because this is the thing I think that, our sport kind of doesn't do well in comparison with other motorsports is like we never change the rules. I well, guess. I would say that we never change the rules, but they have the last couple of years, right? They, I mean, they added uh, triple crowns and then they, you know, especially with SMX now, they, they, they totally. Oh, I think that's different, yeah, formats but, and stuff, but mate, I'm thinking more like motorcycles, like what you said about like whole shot devices. Oh, okay. So, and I think the thinking there is, like there'd probably just be a lot of pushback and I'm sure Feld is just going like, fuck it. Like, it's just not worth, like, let's not, that ain't broke. Don't fix it. Yeah. But I like, how would you feel? Let's say Feld comes to you and they go, Hey, this, this is probably more of an AMA question. Okay. But yeah. Well, okay. So I think that it should be up to Feld because it's part of the entertainment in a sense, you know, in the I way mean, that they do work together. So, I mean, it, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I would say you go like every two years in F1, there's a rule change. Obviously, we can't do that because it's like production motorcycle. Like, it's just that's not the game that we're playing. Right. But yeah, I'm sure you could do like no whole shot devices and they just go like, all right, we're banning those. It's going to be based or they can only be this deep or like whatever. Right. Um, but would what would something like that, how would that come across to you? Obviously, the whole shot one you're kind of a fan of, but it's like because all that does is make more, more work for you, changes, more testing. And it's like you guys are already stacked doing all the stuff that you've got to get done so it's like is that stuff just a crazy huge inconvenience or is that the kind of thing where you could go all right we're just that's our changes for this year we've got to adapt it's like gives us a new challenge it's you know kind of gonna change up like the way that things get done like would you be open to that kind of thing as like a team manager and a team i think so but it, it would depend on what what that is and how much of an impact it would be on on our team or how much we've had prepared and planned out for the future you know um but i think at some point like certain things that, that do get changed um 
I mean, next year our sound rule is changing. Okay. For example, like um, because in the future, you know, we're, our sound is going to be limited even more. Um, so we're not going to be able to round up anymore. Right now, right now, MXGP is like it's the sound limit's one twelve, right? And then they give you two dB for the weather and all that. So it's basically you just call it one fourteen point zero. Yeah. You cannot be over one fourteen point zero, or else you fail. We round up to fourteen nine. So you, we can be fourteen nine until if we're fifteen, we're we're failing. That's going to be different this year. They're switching that back to fourteen zero, which is a little bit more along those lines. Like they're they're making rule changes. There's a there's a new um, rule book coming out by the way too. That's oh, going to have sweet. a bunch of different things in it. So um, so I I am like okay with doing certain things, but it, it it's difficult to say what those things what those things could be yeah and not kind of you know for one make an improvement because i mean that's what we're that's what looking you're looking to do for, yeah. yeah i mean f1 they're doing it to bring racing together and closer together right and all the different wing changes to create actual passing yeah um so yeah i mean if there's things that we can do to create better passing and and you know more opportunity for you know, people, it's it's hard though, you know, like he, if we have Jet Lawrence and he's amazing in the whoops and they say, you know what, the racing was really good at SMX with no whoops. Let's just take him out. Yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. You know, and I don't think, I don't think a real Supercross fan should want that either, want right? That either, yeah. Right. Because the, the track should be gnarly and, and the, the best riders should win. But if the best rider wins every single race, like <laughs> happening outdoors, <laughs> then um, it's kind of a positive and a negative, I guess. But then again, um, the, you know, the best riders that wins is that's how it should be. The, the best guy should win. So yeah. it's hard, I guess. Um, like I said, it, it depend. It would have to depend on what it was. Yeah. And I think, you know, in the, let's say F1, it's like, that's the whole sport. Like, it's like you build a car for this yeah. and it's, that's not what we're doing here. It's like, we're taking a production. So I think that the, the, there's just limits, you know, yeah. like, one thing, this is actually a Casey Stoner idea. So this idea comes with more weight than just my dumbass <laughs> opinion. But one of the things that I think is hurting, like literally hurting the sport because it's hurting riders is just how brutal the tracks are getting. Mm. It's like way gnarlier than it's ever been. I mean, I'm sure you guys have walked some of the tracks after races and just been like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, they're, they're beat. But... Casey's idea is to is to do like a supercross tire that has like a controlled knobby height and then like a pattern to it to where because I feel like you could make a tire that would be in between like a flat track tire and like a, a motocross tire like a trials tire kind of yeah. you know somewhere and it's like have the teams get it really developed really tested to where there is like a spec tire that is for it's spec in the sense of like these are the restrictions it's this many knobs this many this high like blah 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 um and then i think that could actually be quite a lot better for racing how do you see that or do you think it could work or good question i'm not sure um hmm. maybe uh you know i think um Right now, I mean, the tracks that, that we have are obviously, they, they take really good care of them and they still end up getting, you know, torn down, broken down so much. Um, but 
that's it's a tough question you know because i mean it's you either limit the amount of riders that can ride on it and and the amount of laps that that goes through or do something like that i mean i'd have to think about that one that's that that's a tough question um because i mean if you're going to go out riding on regular tires too you know later like a you know even the tire right they're there to promote their tire to sell like yeah they don't want to promote a tire that isn't very good but it creates better racing for the racetrack but you know yeah it's kind of complicated i guess it's a tough one to answer but it's not i i yeah i mean something like that's not not a not a a bad idea or not a it's a smart idea i guess um it's just how you would implement it yeah actually ticks the boxes yeah that's a tough my dad has that same theory by the way really but it's not even because he thinks that um um, it would like keep the tracks from breaking down. He just thinks it would be better traction. Well, dude, I mean, that's what Casey said as well. He's <laughs> yeah. like, you could make a way better tire, like even a flat track tire. Mm-hmm. Like, man, those things hawk up, dude. Yeah. Like on a hard pack surface with like the top layer of dirt on it that the flat tracks get very similar to Supercross. It's like, man, you could build a really solid tire that just because. Uh, like, do you think the tracks have gotten, like, just gnarlier over the last handful of years? And it, this isn't like a, the track builders have got worse. The tracks <laughs> are, like, that's, no. Like, they still build great tracks. But there's, when you think about A practice, B practice, C practice, C practice, B practice, A practice, do that three times, then do heat. Like, it's it's too much. Like, I think it's just you're asking so much of a dirt track that you build in under a week like i just think that the the recipe is wrong i don't think anyone's doing a a bad job but i just think like the recipe isn't set up right for the tracks to basically handle what what we've got like and uh, do you even think that the tracks and how rough they've gotten are even to blame for some of the injuries and crashes or I, i mean i would have to think that it doesn't help you know like the dragon back at nashville this year claimed some people and that that thing was easy in the beginning of the day that's that's super cross you know like it's not easy um and i'm not saying that it's okay for people to to yeah there's got to be a balance there right yeah um i think the reason why they're so destroyed now at the end of the night is because we basically have 40 riders going into the main event and in like a 450 race or a class, right? And then the same 250. And contrary to the, the way it was before, none of them suck. Like they're like <laughs> yeah. I used to be out there at, at one point and I was terrible. I shouldn't have been out there. <laughs> yeah. And I, I wasn't blitzing whoops like properly and, and all these things. And that's the way it was. The guys wouldn't even do all the triples back in the day. You know, they'd roll and double and do whatever, like, you know. And now with the quality of all the riders, you know, like, Every rider that comes in, in, if you qualify for a night show, you're pretty yeah, you damn good. Yeah. yeah. And um, and all of them can go through whoops, maybe not as good as Jet Lawrence or Chase or something like that, but they can all blitz whoops. And maybe those guys are actually destroying the whoops more than the top guys because they're just hammering right in the middle of them and, and not going anywhere but ripping it up. Um, so it's kind of that. Like there's guys that can actually ride the tracks and they're riding them well. Um, and there's, there's a lot of riders out there, which is – one thing that I thought of before, I'm like, hey, let's limit the amount of riders that that, that oh, race. I completely agree. Yeah, but that also 
kind of hurts what I love about American motocross and supercross is that we give so many people a chance to do it mm. versus in, you know, maybe in Europe or something where you only have these people that can do it. And you can't be an outsider and work your way in without a lot of money or some luck or, or you know, getting the right opportunity from, you know, whatever. And that kind of sucks. Yeah. It kind of sucks to have an outdoor with 40 gates, but have 20 guys on it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So that is a definitely a, a balance that that is tough to keep up on you know like we're you're right now our series is cool because we have the top riders in the world racing supercross and doing these things in motocross and we also have these dudes over here that are trying to be them and you can kind of you, you know they're probably never going to be as good you know because they're already a little bit older but they're still getting a chance and people love them you know like they, they get you know a lot of like fans just because of who they are, what they are. Um, and that's pretty badass that like you can have that, you can have both um, and it doesn't happen, but maybe some of the penalties are the, are things like that, you know, which the, at the end of the night when the track is really beat up, that blows me away. There's a couple of things that about the riders, the top riders that blow me away. When they ride a track that's slick and snotty, and they can still do everything, and they're like, "Yeah, it's really slick." But you, you and I can't go ride that track without eating it right away. That blows me away, um, like in the morning and stuff like that, even at the uh, test track. And then also, when you look at the track at the end of the night, how like tore up it is, and the ruts with the the, the acceleration bumps up, uh, and they're still doing all the all the you know sections. That is pretty gnarly, and also that kind of separates the men from the boys, which is why I don't know. I, I don't know if it, that's, um, such a bad thing, you know? Um, unfortunately though, a lot of people could get hurt doing that. But then again, in the main event, when the track's at its worst, every guy out there is a badass. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, that's a tough one, but it, you know, it, it, it'd be nice to be able to figure out something to keep the tracks better. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's why it hasn't been done yet. It's not an easy answer. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think there needs to be like, there needs to just be some hard number where we go, all right, if 10 of the best riders can't make it to every Supercross race, then like there's a problem. Yeah. And then the years, like that, that needs to be like an active initiative because like it, you're so right. Like the dudes that are the best are so insanely good. Like what they can do on a track is mind blowing for the level of destruction that is around. Like I remember A3, not last year, the year before, or maybe it was last year, but it was like Eli and Ando, only two dudes skimming the whoops. And then maybe it must've been the year before. And then uh, six laps into the main event, Eli stops skimming them. And then it's just Ando. And then it's like, that's the baddest motherfucker in the world on a dirt bike tonight. Like, yeah. no, there's no question he's <laughs> the man because that was a basically like grab your nutsack and make it happen. Yeah. And the first dude to stop doing that loses the race. And that was like, <laughs> to me, that was such a, an epic, dramatic battle. And it was so, if you know the sport, then you could see like the race was being won right there. And that to me was just unreal. Yeah. And you don't get that without like the gnarliest set of whoops. Yeah. But 
44 dudes got carted off like that ruined <laughs> you know that ruined hunter that year like it just so many people yeah. just ate shit because there's no way around it there's no slower line around the whoops that cost you a second you know yeah. maybe maybe some of the, maybe there needs to be some of that kind of stuff to where it's like you can there's like a line that you don't hit the whoops but it costs you a second no matter what yeah you know like i don't know so but it's like in my head for the sport to grow and for the sport to like keep progressing the stars have to be on the gate and yeah. healthy you like you would see it with with hunter you know like the from when he first got to america he was dealing with all those injuries and it's like he just couldn't have the compounding effect of like bike time time working on the bike time working with the team to, like you just need time and season on season on season to like really get going in this sport. Mm. And, you know, you just think about how many guys that got hurt through last year. And I mean, the Tomac thing is like a freak thing. You know, that's not even a right. crap. That's, yeah. you know, so there's, there is, that's what I mean. Like there's room where you'd have to go like, all right, if there's not a minimum of this many dudes making it through yeah. the season, like we need to, to look at it because yeah, yeah there's such a crazy balance. I also have an unpopular opinion that maybe Supercrosses <laughs> can't ride Supercross. We need to, A, make more teams so, like, the best privateer dudes actually have a ride and, like, somewhere to go. But it's, like, way more structured, way more organized. Maybe motocross becomes the qualifying series. Like, unless you're scored this many points, like, you can't even be able to ride Supercross. Like, that's messy as well. Mm. But it's, like, yeah, because maybe you don't need to change tires maybe you don't need yeah, maybe we just need to figure out how 140 dudes <laughs> are on the floor riding Anaheim and even you know let's say you take out some of those practices or whatever dude there's how many how much more longevity you're gonna get out of the track if you get rid of four practices mm. you know and then give the top then you'd be able to you wouldn't have to be at a supercross track from 8 a.m <laughs> yeah. to 2 a.m yeah, yeah. you know like for 17 weekends a year so yeah. anyway there's like a bunch of those ideas right. but it's cool to like i can think about them all i want but i don't have any logistical i've got nothing to deal with on like the other side of those decisions <laughs> so it's cool to like get your perspective you know? yeah yeah and i and i can tell you that the guys at at uh feld and mx sports and ama and all that they're having these conversations it's not like Things no one's been thinking discussed. about. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, just like, yeah. yeah, okay, cool, let's go, keep going. You know, like <laughs> yeah. every year, they're 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 trying to figure out how to be better, and we are too. And that's the cool thing is that we have a voice as a manufacturer, all of us do, and we all kind of agree on things together, which I don't think was always the norm either. You yeah. know, it's kind of the same thing as just communicating at the race, like I said earlier. Like all the rule changes and all these things are all kind of agreed upon with everyone, and we're allowed to bring these ideas so um so maybe i'll you know bring some of yours yeah no sweet so <laughs> uh we'll talk a bit about this year about the dynamic with the team because again just this insane crazy concoction of like the 450 title that looked like you lost it then you won it then 24 and 0 outdoors Jet one is two fifty. Sorry, twenty two and <laughs> Old habits die hard. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then yeah, Jet winning the lights title, Hunter winning his lights titles. Like it was a, it must have just been a, a crazy year on all fronts. But 
What what point did you know that Chase was leaving? And then how did that dynamic, like to manage the dynamic between, you know, like him and the brother, like, because it, it always, it would seem like you got Chase <laughs> and his dad. Yeah. And then you'd have Jet and Hunter and his dad. Right. And it would become like, you'd think as Chase, you're like, oh, sick, I got my dad, I'm like, I'm here. And then you look on the other side of the rig and you're like being outdone, even on that front where it's like, well, he's got his brother and his dad. Like, yeah. So, and very different needs from like the motorcycle. I'm sure it's like best case scenario to just be going one, two, almost every single moto. But worst case scenario at the same time. And then I'm sure the added dynamic of like Chase going to a different team. Like, So how was that to manage? Um, I, I guess to answer one of the questions first is when did I know that, that Chase was leaving and it wasn't, I mean, there was rumors. We, yeah. We, we knew that, you know, he was talking to more than a, a few teams, you know, or more than two teams or more than one team, I guess. Um, and, um, and that it was kind of didn't look like super promising, um, because he'd had a tough 22 other than, I mean, outdoors. Um, and, uh, and so that that was really really um, probably what made his decision for him is just twenty two supercross I think, um, but yeah because we didn't know for sure and all these things you know we, rumors and we were never really told that that he was signed or anything like that. Um, it it wouldn't have mattered in the effort that we did, which it didn't matter in outdoors. Well, I don't think it ever matters right. with a team. I really. mean, you're always trying to to win, 100%. right? Yeah, and um, so. So probably right at the end of Supercross, and I can't remember when it was exactly. And even then, it was like you know, pretty sure you know, like it, it didn't really. I don't know. wasn't wasn't as clear as you would think it would be, to, even to us. I mean, everybody knew, and we were like, I don't know if like we haven't been told it's for sure, so it's kind of hard to know. But um, but anyways, I know that going into the first outdoor, that it was it was clear. And, um, so that was the first time that it was like, before it was like, they're riding two fifties and chase on a four fifty. Yeah. Everyone's cool. Yeah. Like we're, we're fine. And, you know, even though we'd already done donations and jet was pretty badass there and, and, <laughs> yeah. but then at the same time, chase, they were trying to win the, the whole event. So it was kind of still a little bit like, eh, I don't know. And then, um, Supercross was, was pretty much fine, even though we had all those, um, times with with uh, Chase. I mean, realistically, Chase should have won that championship by like 170 you know, points. <laughs> yeah, he should have wrapped it up like early. You yeah. Know? Um, but whatever, it, it didn't work out that way. And then, uh, so going into the first national, I know at Paula is when I like that was the first time we know he's leaving. And at the same time, I was I was worried that Chase and his dad would be like, well, they're going to screw us. You know, they got Jet. They want him to win now because they know we're leaving. And so I wanted to make that clear to them that the first race, like there's no favorite going into this thing. And to be honest, Chase was the favorite to, to win, but there wasn't any favoritism on our side to like, we're going to hook this guy up better than him because we want him to win. None of that. Um, to be honest, like, you know, we're, we were just wanting to win a championship and we knew we had the two strongest guys. We're like, we, we shouldn't screw this one up, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if, yeah. but, but crazier things have happened. Right. So, um, so I had a talk with Chase and his motor and with his team crew. And then same thing with the, the Lawrence's too, just to let him know that like, no, you're leaving. Um, we're going to give you everything we can. Um, 
want to try to make you as happy as possible. Um, whatever you need, like, you know, come to us, we'll, we'll try to make it work. And, um, all the testing that you need, if you feel like you don't have enough, we'll, we'll do more things like that. So we had all of those options, you know, to make sure that, um, he gets the best opportunity. Both of them get the best opportunity that they, that they need to win. And then also for me, it was like, I don't want him leaving going, yeah, yeah, they screwed me, yeah. you know, like whatever. So even up until the last couple of nationals, you know, we were testing with him. I we went testing down to Florida and, and, um, uh, trying to, to get him into a better spot. And then also for SMX, you know, we did testing for that. And, and then he came out the first race and worked everybody, you know? Um, and, uh, so I, I think if he, um, yeah, like I think even for outdoors, if he would have kind of worked a little bit more in the beginning at, at keeping a supercross bike, um, for outdoors and just, you know, making it work suspension wise, I think it could have been a little bit different. Um, but then that first round he got, he got hurt, you know, he hit his head. Well, not, we went testing on Tuesday, I think it was after Paula and he already had a big one at the race, but he was obviously fine because him and Jet battled out the second moto. And then at the practice track, he, he fell and dinged his head. And then it was like, then he was out for three rounds. And so that, you know, I mean, I guess in a way it made it easier for me. Um, yeah, that would kind of make sense. Because then the championship was gone, like for Chase. Yeah. So when Chase came back, I think his goal was just like, okay, I just want to, I just want to win races. But I have to say that he was, he was really, um, impressive. Like he, every time that, that he was right there and then didn't get it done, like he was obviously super disappointed in, in himself, but he was really professional. He really like, you know, I think he analyzed probably why like the 2020 chase wouldn't have been that cool. Yeah. <laughs> like he made a big progression through the years with us. Um, and that's, he, he's talked about before, probably with you even too. Right. Yeah. And, um, so he, like, I think every race they looked at, you know, what he could have done better and what, what could have been, you know, on from our side and from his side. And we always kind of worked on that during the year. Um, and, um, it's, mind blowing that he that he wasn't able to win one of the races, you know, um yeah. battling with Jet. Um but um but I, I am proud that we we were able to to do everything we could for him and and leave and then except for the last race, of course, and then that uh, you know, the last uh, what at the Coliseum. Yeah. You know, to be honest, I haven't even seen him since. Oh really? I haven't seen him. It's kinda gnarly. Like he yeah, I'm in the manager's tower in the middle of the track. I can't leave. The track is all around me. You know? yeah. So I can't go to see him because yeah. I got across the track. I can't. So they, you know, he, he he crashes, gets up and walks off. Bike gets pushed off. Um, Jed has an incredible race with Kenny and wins. So then I come out of the tower. First thing I, you know, I'm there. There's Jed. Of course, I'm going to celebrate with him real quick. We go to the, to the um, podium and I'm like, I'm like, all right, cool. Let me, let me just do this. And then I want to go check on Chase. And so, by the time I was able to do that and, and go back, he's gone. And I'm like, crap, you know? So I, I texted with them and then I was able to get with them a couple of days and it, it was, it was fine. I was hoping that we could meet up for dinner or something like that, but it didn't, it wasn't able to happen. So, um, um, so yeah, so I haven't seen him since. So it's kind of a trip. <laughs> and, and yeah, because you think about like the body of work, like the time to put in and it's crazy. Just the dynamic in motorsports or just team sports in, general you know like you just um there would have been 
hundreds and hundreds of hours of your life consumed by like thinking about how to make him better, how to make his motorcycle better. And then it's just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, that was a bummer that the way that ended. Um, I wish that could have gone a little bit better, but, um, but then again, I, I think we'll, you got a long, he's got a long career and I, you know, I think there's a lot more times that we'll be able to talk to him. I'm still going to be friends with him, yeah. of course, like, yeah. you know, and um, hopefully get to, kind of hang out with him a little bit and give him a hug tell him thanks stuff like that so yeah because i mean he he had just a crazy career at honda like he's had he has had one of the most bizarre careers in the modern era really like if you think about no one was really talking about him (laughs) as an amateur and then he wins was it his first series or his second series I think it was a second. Second, yeah. Yeah. And then it's like he has that and everyone's like gifted to him. And then like right. then he goes on his run and then gets into the 450 class and then he's killing it. And then the way that he won, the way I felt so bad for Chase because the way that he won that, it's like he broke America's heart in a sense. <laughs> like everyone, Tomac is an enigma in the sense that he's he's one of those guys where people don't really know him. They know his mystique. Like they they follow the, it's almost like this ghost kind of yeah. figure, you know. So it's like, and then everyone knows that he's about to retire and every, like he's just built and built and built and he's like this American, all American. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Dude, and he just, he's the guy everyone like wanted to see win. And when he didn't, and Chase did, the attention that he got or like the 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 focus or the the way that people thought about his title was so almost tainted. But then it's like, if this dude didn't have these crashes, like no (laughs) one's even getting a look into this title. Like we would be talking about Tomac, not even like the title being wrapped up before Denver, you know, like Mm. forget about Coop. Like he wouldn't have been in it, you know? Yeah. So like he's just had such a bizarre career, but in terms of like what he's done for Honda, like he was a fantastic like a huge part of of honda's like new era you know yeah no for sure uh, he the new generation of riders for sure he was a huge part of that and um also i know that a lot of people even that when he won in 20 um supercross and he he was racing with mcelrath right on yeah. star and um so he it wasn't like he dominated that ser- that series um even though he's a big kid on on that bike at the time that that was it wasn't the easiest but he was 
he was damn good. So when we put him on a 450, and that was my decision, you know, that was the guys, that was, you know, Keo and Brandon Wilson and, and guys before me, maybe Dan Bentley. Um, and, uh, but to me, that was, wasn't a, I, I know a lot of people were like, I can't believe they're going to put him on a 450 already. Yeah, you know, true like, way. Yeah. But to me, it was never a question. It was never like, um, like, like, whoa, I don't think he's ready. It was like, let's get him get off the him, 250. Get him out of there. Yeah, yeah. He's way too big and, and, but I guess being a little bit behind the scenes, like he would ride a 450 at home in Florida at um, at the Sandbox with Kenny, and be faster on a like stock um, stock uh, 450 with factory connection suspension. KYB is what I was going for yeah. when we were KYB at the time, um, and uh, and dude, the dude had like a stock engine and suspension. And, was just a beast. Oh yeah, and he can do like everybody knows. He can do a lap like better than pretty much anybody in the world. I don't care who it is. You throw down one lap and and he's the best, you know. And especially at the time, like he just he just loves that, you know. Like wanting to be like, especially Kenny. Kenny's on a works Honda, you know, whatever. Yeah. He's on a production Honda and he goes faster. There's there's some bragging rights to that, you know. Even though Kenny at the time, and and which I hundred percent believe is like, yeah, hey, I don't care. Like, you know, yeah. Like, you, yeah, you're fast, but Kenny just brings it at the race, you know, and is, is a beast on his own. Right. So, um, so like that kind of stuff, seeing him on a 450 and how he could control and everything, I was, I, I thought it was the perfect decision, you know, um, and it worked out. I mean, he was fastest qualifier at his first national, like at, at Loretta's. Um, and I think he just needed to mature a little bit in that, in that, you know, space of, um, not letting it bother him so much not to be the fastest and but you know now he, he qualifies faster than almost every race he goes through still you know but um but so anyways yeah he, he did have uh a great career and um um uh yeah super proud of him i mean I, and i think too if he the, the amount of races that he should have won you know is pretty staggering and and um like we said the the championship too that's why i thought it was cool that i i didn't really see a lot of hate on mm. on any you know not that i went like searching for the message boards or anything but i think everybody like yeah eli got hurt and, and was out but chase deserved to win yeah. like he was he was faster and he had a lot of races where he was the you know the man or whatever um and uh so that's why i don't think you saw a lot of people hating on uh, you know like that it was gifted or anything like that because in my opinion he earned that championship you know um just like you know Eli did yeah no I, I completely agree I just think it's crazy how many weird championships he's been in and, yeah and won you know like <laughs> and it's just there's probably not another dude that has had that happen you know yeah but it's funny too I think Jet is a really good example of this and it's why like I mean I've always been a Lawrence brother like fan girl whatever you want to say yeah, but he's Australian so you like that, have that's to be. my boys yeah <laughs> but <laughs> I would say, like, wait till Jack gets on a 450. And, you know, like, I had Daniel Blair on it. We, like, pretty much predicted the motocross season. You know, I think I even said, like, he could, he literally could get a perfect season outdoors before he ever <laughs> did a 450 race. Because, and Chase falls into this category too, right? You got these bigger kids. The 250, they're slow. At a, the, for those guys mm. like jet right now on it you put him back on a 250 he's going to be like this is so slow <laughs> and it's like they've got so much more in the tank and when so it's like 
they these technical freaks in terms of how they ride a bike, but it kind of doesn't matter on a 250 in a sense because you can still just send it. Yeah. You know, but when you get on a 450, you need a bit more mass, like you need a bigger frame, and then that's when that technique really really comes into play and I think Chase was one of those dudes where it was like yeah, you, you could see it. You're like, we need to get him off this bike yeah. because like the technical base that he's got mixed with the size means that get him on a 450 ASAP because he is going to go so fast. And, yeah. you know, you, and you can see the guys that spent their entire career just sending it on a 250 get to a 450 and it just becomes a, a problem for them to deal with, you know? Yeah. And those are two guys in particular. And that's why... I think you're going to see Hunter do really good this year because he has that same technical base as Jet. Yeah. You know, I think really the only difference between Jet and Hunter is like a couple of inches of length on like their levers in terms of their arms and legs, you know? Yeah. And it's like, but that technical base is so important for a 450 and like all of those guys had that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think, yeah, Jet, other than having a little height on, on Hunter, they're, you know, they're pretty similar. Um, but yeah, Hunter's funny, huh? Because he you watch him and he's not he doesn't do anything that's like really flashy or you know, you don't see him. Like this just happened at the test track last week or whatever, um, where he's riding and he looks good, definitely good. But nothing really where you're like, Man, he's he's ripping he's right ripping. now. <laughs> yeah. But then Jet was doing he's going three four in this section, it's huge. He's he comes into the whoops and just, you know, absolutely demolishes him, you know, and whatever. And Hunter had a better lap time. And I'm like, how is that possible? You know, <laughs> yeah. and that happens sometimes when if it wasn't a, a stopwatch on it, you'd you'd never guess. But, um, but yeah, it's just two different types of of. It's like the intensity, or because the styles aren't not that different. Yeah. But um, Jet's just a little bit got a weird, flashy style, and Hunter is very efficient. So I just think there's a thing in the sport where like, and. Like jujitsu makes me think about this because it's basically all leverage. So it's like I'd, I would never think about your arms and legs as levers. <laughs> and so when jujitsu, that's all it is. Is like you've got these short dudes work. It's like this, 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 and this works awesome for these guys with shorter arms and shorter legs. None of that stuff works for me because like the levers are just too. The leverage is out. So yeah. it's like it's different. And that just made me think about moto. You know, like you you think about the the style and the inputs that you can have on the bike that's like jet and hunter they're almost a copy but it's just one's got a little bit more height and length mm. and it's like that's basically it like the difference in the movements and like there's just more it's like there's for the same input that jet and hunter give jet would look a little bit different because there's like more input to give that same input in terms mm. of like the length of his levers, you know, yeah. that's like pretty much, I think the only difference. And like, I think that plays out in like whoops, especially now with the way the guys are on their toes and like dropping their heels down that like their lowest point is now their heel. You know what I mean? So mm. like you're actually taking like le leverage off your legs. So a dude with longer legs is going to be able to apply like that technique in a different way. And he's going to look different while he's doing it. But yeah, I literally think it's just a matter of longer arms, longer legs. 
that they are pretty much a carbon copy. And Hunter, I sent him some videos in the outdoors this year. I think it was like there was one from pretty sure it was High Point and it was just in quali or practice. And there, it was one of the big downhill right hand, like downhill kind of sweepers. And it was just he was railing the outside right and it was like a deep national rut, right? And there were these braking bumps in it. And he literally just goes, bink. And he just jumps down all of it and just lands in there. It was out of control. <laughs> like I, I filmed it and sent it to him. I was like, what the fuck? He goes, oh, that's cool. I didn't even know I was doing it. <laughs> and it's like, that's the level that the, is like, that's the top of the sport now. It's just gone so insane. Yeah. And I think... We was we were like very captivated early on with like Stewie. And obviously started with Jeremy, and then you get Ricky with like the crazy send style, and then James with the scrub, and that's now it's like everyone's kind of caught up to that in a sense, mm-hmm. and it's like now we're just seeing this crazy level of technicality, especially because the bikes have so much power as well. It's like they're not getting ridden to their full potential, so it's almost like so much of the details in the sport now is just like finesse throttle control you know like playing with the track it's really cool to see the evolution yeah yeah i, I somebody asked me about that but technically like their technical level of riding I, being like the thing that they're going to teach now or you know for kids and everything and, and yeah maybe i i there's to me there's been so many different riders through the years that have their own thing you know like K Dub obviously had like this perfect style that everyone wanted to emulate, including me. Yeah, and uh, and then Jeremy, you know, obviously, um, and then Dunge and all these guys, you know, like I don't know what I don't see anything that they do that's like so different than everybody. I guess to me, it's just like they just took kind of everybody's best attributes and they're gonna they're gonna take those, you know, and that jumping the bumps and thing is like a little bit more jets making in hunter two like that's kind of their in vogue <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. They, and they've definitely to be able to, i mean people have jumped breaking bumps and stuff like that since the beginning of time but to do it in a way that like jet did it like at southwick and some of these <laughs> races like he's already so fast that he's able to do that and not like so a lot of times it's not really faster you would think because you're having to kind of slow down and you know jump it or whatever but he's able to do it, incorporate it into a fast time, you know, at the, at the same time without losing anything. And it's just it's crazy that he can make that work and still be fast, you know, still be faster, you know. It just, you could see, did you go to Loretta's this year? Yeah, I was there for a, a day and a half when it rained, like pretty much the entire time. Ah, uh, okay. I don't think I saw you because I, I think I pretty much yeah. stayed in the motorhome the entire <laughs> time that day. But you could visibly see it at Loretta's, yeah, like the Lawrence effect. Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. Oh, it was in like after the finish line. You know, you come onto the start straight. Everyone yeah. was like jumping off that, and like every everyone from the first lap of practice. As soon yeah. as there was bumps, like right, that was kind of like the the new thing. You're right. People have been doing it forever. I think now though. To me, I feel like it has something to do with how much power the bikes have because it's almost like before you think of like Ricky two-stroke days where it was yeah, <laughs> just yeah. Bur- bury the thing, you know, steer it with the rear wheel and just hold the thing wide open. And it's almost like that, like the style wouldn't have come into play as much then because it's like you were just trying to extract everything 
out of the bikes and it just maybe it's like nowadays not the case and so they're playing with it more maybe but like in 03 when ricky was on a 250 and kato was on a 450 and they they had such different styles and kato was able to flow and do all these things and i i don't know like i i'm not sure if like if he would have been able to if he did do some of those things and if there was a guy it would have been him he was yeah you know like that right but um I don't remember it being like one of those noticeable things where he's able to do this and then make up time yeah, or whatever. It was almost like, like maybe it didn't seem like at the time it was like, yeah, that's awesome. And it's smooth and it keeps you low, but it's not bit faster, fresh. but it's not faster. Yeah. You're just, you're, you know, you're doing whatever. And maybe if, um, if you got a big lead, you can do that because whatever, but yeah, jet jet's able to do it. And, and like I said, keep like improving his time. So I don't know what he's figured out to how, to how to do that and like you know and and be faster i don't know how how else to word it really you know so what was that era like that o two o three o four era to be involved in hrc because you had ricky perfect season in o two perfect season in o four changing from two stroke to four stroke that's probably the biggest technical shift that we've had in the sport maybe ever yeah. and you were right there with those guys like what was that era like um yeah that era was was awesome obviously um and at the time like we we had no hrc it was it was just american honda you know yeah okay. which now obviously it's american honda with hrc support oh, okay. from japan you know so that's why we're honda hrc huh. so um uh i actually didn't know that difference yeah yeah, yeah. Well, hrc is a honda racing corporation in japan yeah and yep. you know they're and they're huge now and they've moved that whole company into, into four wheel too which yep. is which is i think is awesome like you know it's on Max Verstappen's Red Bull now, you know, he's got it on his arm, you know, and so um, they, they've they made it all. And even HPD here, the IndyCar, they're going to be HRC next year, sick. HRC US. That's massive, I think. Yeah. Like, I think that's so sick for the sports. Yeah. No, it's really cool. And um, and so um, at the time when we were, you know, we had Woody Graphics and American Honda, you know, it was basically uh, it, um, it was really... I know I when I started there it was the summer of two thousand and K Dub was leaving and he went to Suzuki for 01. I think that's when he broke his femur maybe and yeah, supercross. I think so. Took a year off and then came back for that 03 season. So when we, I know when we got you know what's funny is that when I started there, they hadn't won in three years and it was like a lifetime to them. You know, I, I remember I remember <laughs> yeah. that. Because Jeremy left in ninety six and then that new aluminum frame came out in ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, they got Lusk in 98 and feel so bad for lusk (laughs) (laughs) but he he at at what point there in 98 99 dude he was awesome on that thing yeah and then the 2000 was actually a really good bike 2000 and 2001 were the only two years of that generation um that was the first cr250 i had no thing was bitching they were good in that that one was good yeah and the engine was unbelievable and um but so when i started there it was like they hadn't won forever lusk should have won but um for whatever reason he he never was able to kate up to um and then um so those first few years when when we got ricky it was like that feeling before we got ricky was like kind of what we had had these last 20 years like what do we got to do to win like and especially if you think about what the the team they had in 99 they had four riders and they were all gnarly it was like lusk tortelli pichon and um uh, who am I blanking on for the fourth guy? Somebody. Oh, K-Dub. Yeah, okay. Yeah, duh. And um, so, and then they, not only that, but they had LaRocco. 
yeah. on, 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 you know, whatever. So like that, that one year at Glen Helen, we went one, two, three, four, five, you know, <laughs> with, with, uh, uh, with Ryan Hughes, you know, coming from Europe too. Um, and still weren't, weren't able to win, you know? So when Ricky, Ricky came, it was like, all right, he's won on all these things. Like, like, can he win with us? That That's the kind of feeling that I got. Like everybody, I think was like, we're going to kick everybody's ass now. We got Ricky, which is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, I remember like, it wasn't like, I remember thinking like, man, he, he kind of better win, like, or else we're going to look real bad. And then, and I was just a shop kid, like, who, in, you know, not like I knew anything about what was going on behind the curtain, you know, but um, then those, that, those, that year, 02 was, was great. Obviously he went 24 and 0, like totally kind of brought everything back to on. It, I remember it became so routine that he would win. It was just like, yeah, we're going to win. You know, it was like, and I didn't like that feeling. Like still, I still don't, you know, like, this summer with with jet and everything it sucks that when you get used to it and there's no real like i don't know if there's a way around it because um when you don't win for that long and then you finally win that feeling is what you're always chasing it's like you're chasing the dragon yeah and every time you win and you win another weekend you win another weekend you get further away from that feeling yeah and and you're you're like and I, I stressed it with the team all year. I'm like, hey, this might not last forever. So let's like, let's soak it up. Let's really absorb it and and not get like, you know, used to it. And it's kind of hard not to. And it, and it I hate that. But that's how it fell then with Ricky. So when K-Dub came in and we had a new 450 and he wanted to ride again and it was all kind of a relaxed atmosphere, I helped him a lot like with, with him and his mechanic because his mechanic was new, a new mechanic at the time. Um, and we ended up, um, you know, going outdoors with him that year in the first race, like he should have won. And then he crashed. And then the second race, he did beat Ricky the first moto, you know, like finally. And then that whole summer, just the, such a cool experience because, um, I think even like the thing I remember the most is Honda having a commercial and it was, uh, like, you know they race all summer long totally different styles totally different bikes yeah but they were right next to each other battling and and uh kata won i think only i think he won two overalls and a couple motos during the year ricky won everything else crazy but they made a commercial i knew it was like two stroke or four stroke which one you want that kind of like that was the commercial whatever and it showed them battling and that that's what i remember from that time of just you know us dominating that that summer and whatever and then getting to know k-dub he's like you know one of my favorite riders one of the coolest people yeah too. just the nicest coolest dude. yeah super super rad guy and um just getting to become like know him and ricky too like i mean uh, all those guys ricky's not much older than me but you know growing up like i was on 80s and i just he was like a legend already you know and, yeah and just seeing him in uh magazines and stuff stuff he would do on an 80 and he's in that video a terra firma video yeah with lusk when he's like whipping it and i'm <laughs> blowing my mind yeah and um so um so getting to become friends with all those and at the time being young and being kind of like a, a just a fan you know and wanting to ride myself and things like that that was pretty rad to get to be involved with those guys and and also learn from all the guys that at honda at the time there's a bunch of legendary mechanics and you know eric kehoe coming on board no two and um all those people road Deuces, racing uh... yeah and then the road race team was right next door so oh, our, yeah. our shop was like exploding you know with stuff we had nikki hayden so it was uh yeah that whole time was unbelievable and what was the what in your mind like if you can transport your mind back to 03 and 
what was your take on four strokes and like what would happen in the industry when it came to like that whole deal? Um, I remember that um, we were able to get our carburetor really good and that when that happened, it was like that, it was kind of funny. Um, I think, I remember, I remember specifically somebody saying, hey, maybe in the future there'll be two-stroke nationals and everybody kind of laughing. And it was like, it was like not that many years after that there weren't there were there was like two stroke yeah. yeah and now there's like two stroke revival or whatever and like there's all you know people still doing it um but i do the one thing that i kind of take away from end of 03 was ricky riding a 450 in supercross and it was always kind of like that i think everybody kind of felt the same way that it was like yeah outdoors 450 is okay but supercross no way you know it's just too heavy and too big and all this and blah 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 and um and then ricky we struggled we were struggling a lot with that o2 cr250 o3 o4 oh once it went to the power valve yeah once it went to well once it went to case read versus a cylinder intake you know for, for the yeah uh, for the intake um it was uh it, it just didn't have any torque you know so that was more of a big deal than the power valve you think like the actual read yeah 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 okay. for sure yeah because the read the or the the different power valve um we could have probably got away. I mean, it wasn't like completely different than the power valve that was in before. I mean, it worked similar anyways. Um, but yeah, the case read being so so much lower um, was what gave it um, uh, so much top power, which outdoors the thing freaking hauled Strained. ass. Yeah. yeah. But uh, for a Supercross, when they're coming out of corners and trying to do threes out of turns, Yamaha was so good. And um, the Yamaha was basically our engine from the year before. You know, like... <laughs> It was exactly like in the no chassis, way. the chassis, everything. I swear at those those years in that like o two o three Yamaha was a ninety six CR two fifty. I mean, it was. You take that thing and look at yeah. like you take the plastic off and everything and look at them together. They're the same. Huh. It's crazy. So um, that obviously was hard to compete with, with especially with a guy like Chad Reed and Villaman or whatever. Um, so Ricky rode that four fifty at the Supercross track and it was K Dub's bike. Went back, he, I think he took a couple, or maybe Ramsey's, I can't remember now. But he rode, he's like, hey, let me try that thing. And it was like a month before Anaheim. And he was struggling with the CR, and he was, I think he was pretty pissed because it, it, we didn't made, or Japan hadn't made the improvements either um, uh, with torque that we wanted. And um, so he rode that, that thing, rode a couple laps, just cruising around. And did like the same lap time. And he came in and he's like, yeah, whatever. And we're like, you just did about the same lap time. And I remember him going like, dude, I'm not even trying in the whoops. Like the thing is getting so much more traction. And he's like, I want to race. Like he was like, hey, can I race this? And I remember them at the time, like, like we don't think it's possible. There's not enough time to order parts or this and that. But it was Ricky Carmichael. So they're like, let's see what we can do. And like later that night, they're like, let's build a bike. And then the next day, I think uh, went rode he went rode it and then we went to Castillo Ranch and that's when he popped his knee out. So or when it's, you know so that was that was kind of and then he went outdoors and won every race on it. So and I think even to this day when you ask if you were to ask him what his favorite bike was that 04 450 um, was like his favorite of all time. Dude, that's so sick. Like as a fan to hear that is so rad because that <laughs> to me like that 04. I mean, I was a Chad Reed fan, obviously. Like, I had this Aussie dude to cheer for, and then there was Burner, 
there was Medi, there was Sharky. Like, so for an Aussie kid, and we couldn't even watch the races live. Like, yeah. we had to wait, you know, or yeah. we'd wait to bar to bar to, like, watch all the races. But, man, like, that era of, like, being a Chad Reed fan, like, being an Aussie and having so many guys represented, and then to have Ricky on a 450, on 250 and 450, and then James, like, man, what a crazy, crazy time. And, like, man, what could have been yeah. if Ricky got to race that? Four stroke indoors. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been cool. I mean, well, I guess he, he ended up getting to see that in like 06 when he was on a Suzuki. <laughs> but yeah, not really, not really the same. It would have been cool to to have him um, be healthy that year for sure. Um, but um, but yeah, he was able to make up for it in outdoors. So, and I think that that break that he that he it got probably gave was him, good for him. Yeah, 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 probably extended his career. Yeah, like imagine if he won. I say he just wins every Supercross and then yeah. wins every motocross. Yeah, like. Dude, probably gone. You yeah, know? yeah, it's probably just like ah, that's it. <laughs> like, yeah, I did good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he he was a beast for sure. Actually, it's funny you say that. So I have a project in mind. I don't even know if I'll leave this bit in the podcast. <laughs> so this year, I've actually got a draft email ready to send to Honda, but I'd need your help on it. I want to actually build. So I'm going to buy a 2002 CR 250. I'm going to buy a 2004 CR 450 and a 2023 CR 450. And I want to do a build. I want to get them all up to spec as good as I can. And I want to drive them to Florida for the dog pound. I want to put number 18 on them. And I want to, I want to, the, the whole concept is like the perfect motorcycle. So it's like, what did Honda do to create three technically perfect motorcycles? Mm. And how sick would it be? to see Jet ride all those generations of perfect season bikes. Yeah, that'd be pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> so would you be able to help me with that if I uh, pull the trigger and make it happen? I think that would be really, really cool to try to do, yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely try. Sick. The, I wonder, though, if, if it's just going to go for something like that, I wonder if we can do it, like, properly with, like, the, real, bikes. the, the bikes. Yeah, because I have the 450. Really? And we have a CR250 um Where's that thing? It might be in Georgia. But either way. Um, Would they let him ride those bikes? Yeah, at the right time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were going to do this one thing where, I mean, we let Kenny ride that 96. That's So that was the bike. I thought it was your bike. No, it was. it's Jeremy's bike. Okay. That, that, Jeremy, that was Jeremy's practice bike from back in the day. Yeah, right. And then um, he gave it to me, and I basically, like, you know, rebuilt it with – and added it, you know, made it legit as much as I could. Um, but we have a Jeremy bike right now that we found that was like, you know, completely original, all there, everything. And uh, so we have it all apart right now, restoring it to have a proper like. Where'd you bike. find it? We had an offsite storage unit, and it's not- <laughs> <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so there's all these bikes that have kind of just been put away over the years, and up on the top of the rafters and one of them there's like we put them all in plastic and i'm sure somebody knew that you know we had all these bikes not just dirt bikes but street bikes and road race bikes and production bikes and all these things so i always kind of knew what they were and then up there i ended up looking there was um um i knew kind of about this one a steve lamson 96 motocross of nation cr125 yeah like legit bike and then um then we looked more and there was a jeremy number one you know, kind of somewhat of a hodgepodge of a 95, 96 graphics wise, but everything there, the, and I, and I'm, I know 
a lot of people build these 95 96s you know and they they put them up on on instagram or, or wherever they put them up and or they bring them to the the race and they're like check out this you know tribute by whatever you want to call it replica and i know enough about that bike to where i'm like yeah, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> you know, but that's cool. Like good job on that. But like, there's so many little things that I know about that bike, including the patchwork that was done. So like the, when I have the legit bike, it's like, you need, like, I'm like, you can tell that's right. That's yeah. right. I'm like, shit, everything on this thing is right. Like that. This is a good bike. No so, way. How did you feel fine of that thing? That's like, that's one of the whole, that's a Ferrari. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. a, Right, it's like a barn. Yeah, that's like an original, like that's one of the, it's like a unicorn type motorcycle. Right, yeah. And we have two proper ones. Um, There's one in Japan too, actually, when I was there at Motegi that um, is proper. Um, But yeah, so there's a few that we have for display. So this one was like not super necessary for the company to, you know, but we're like, this thing is, is, is rad. So I'm hoping to some cool things with that bike um but the bike that that ken rode was was a uh, proper frame proper you know parts just a few things weren't so i kind of made it as legit as possible made it look like cherry and then um and then ken rode it and and loved it too that's so good yeah i have one in oz i bought it uh i think i paid like six thousand eight hundred bucks for it really and it was in covid and i I was looking for another one. We did like a one two five project bike build, and um, so we had a company that was like sponsoring us with that. So I was like, "All right, we got to find this bike." So I'm like on bike sales trying to find this Husky one two five, and I see that, and I call the dude, and I'm like, "Bro, where do you, where do you live, and how much do you want?" <laughs> and he's like, "Um, I'm." He was two and a half hours away. I fucking cancelled all my plans. <laughs> I couldn't even get the money out of the bank. Like banks these days don't like giving you cash. So I just carried on at, at the bank to give them, I think they gave me like five grand. And then I just literally drove to ATMs. <laughs> and I was like getting the cash out because I was like, holy shit, I'm buying this. It was a fully stock, like yeah. original. And uh, I've rode it heaps too. Like it's a unreal bike. I'm going to try and buy one here. I have another project. I want to do like a resto mod. Like you know how they do in cars. Mm-hmm. So I want to get a '96, but I want to put like the newest forks on it, oh, the yeah, newer yeah. shock, Brembo yeah. brakes, or like you know, just get everything as dialed as possible and just like fully do the motor, like modern seat. You know, just really make that even like a alloy tank or something, just to make it like how good could you make this bike? Because they're awesome. Yeah, like riding. I loved riding. I think I was rebuilding my 350, so I had months where I just rode that yeah. that bike. And the motor is so so good yeah. on that on that bike. Yeah, no, those things are super fun. And Ken, and Ken, when he rode it too, I think it was kind of like outdoor suspension. But we had it redone, but it was the old works show us stuff. And the the jetting, it was like cold in the morning, and then it ended up heating up quite a bit up at Castillo Ranch, and so it ran. Um, I think it ran a little bit rich towards the end of the day, but it was in the morning when it was like really, really clean. It was, it just sounded so killer, you know, and the, it was a Red Bull shoot. So they had a bunch of good footage of it, great pictures of it. And, um, so yeah, that one's, that was like one of those super fun things that I got to do too. Um, and, um, but that, that bike, um, the Ricky 2003, I think, I can't remember, like I said, where we have it, but that would be cool to do something like that. Yeah, because I, I, in my head, like, I will just, I think it's a cool 
concept to just see, okay, this is 20 years of motorcycles mm. essentially and like in that 20-year span, three of them from the same manufacturer got a perfect season. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, because the 08 was unreal, mm-hmm. like that 08 450. I had an 04 250 F. That was one. That was my first ever big bike four-stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I remember them being good. Yeah. Like I remember the Carby, like, you know, that bog, if you yeah. didn't have it set up right. But I mean, I, dude, I remember I had like posters of that bike on my wall the 04 like just the white brothers exhaust and yeah. like the cutout seat the cuts the subframe like, like andrew short or something i think um it was ricky's bike like oh, that, oh i like, thought you're finding the crf 250 no sorry the the ricky's 450 oh okay, yeah. okay okay just like that that year yeah. that bike like the everything about that thing was just like just porn yeah, yeah yeah and i just wonder like what how good could we make one now and I mean, maybe that's what we could do in the video is like have him ride the the bikes as they were <laughs> and then have like a build, like newer builds where it's like, because I, I don't even know what you could do nowadays to get them better. Like, could you get an 04 better nowadays with like tech and parts that are available than back then? Or I don't know. I mean, you'd still have to run a carburetor. Yeah. So that would be, be the no way limiting factor. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, suspension-wise, yeah, for sure, you could bolt on whatever we got nowadays. And but but even then, the suspension might be better in certain ways, but it's not going to get you another couple, two seconds a lap. I, I don't think. Yeah. Um. But um. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see what you know what the differences are, especially if you set it up for for him. That's what I want to do. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. yeah. if you wrote it like the way Ricky wrote it, you'd hate it. You know, exactly. With how low and everything like down. Even though 04 wasn't as bad as the the 02. That thing looked crazy. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Even Ricky, when he sees it now, like he's like, you guys are jacking with me. He, he, and like Goose, we were at somewhere not that long ago, and he's like, he's, he knows now. He's like, get that thing out of here. He's like, you guys try to make it seem like I rode the thing like this bad. And Goose is like, this is how it was. You <laughs> wanted it this way. This is why we did it. And 02 especially. 03 kind of you know graduated a little bit to like what we were pushing for to get him a little bit more neutral or you know and i say like we at the time i was just like (laughs) (laughs) maybe i drove the box van there but i'm standing there like what you know helping him build work on it and they're making decisions in the truck so i didn't i didn't know jack you know uh, other than what i'd overheard i guess but um um but yeah so like uh yeah i mean jay would absolutely hate that thing most pretty much everybody would so, but to make it, you know, more like a K-Dub, if, if you rode a K-Dub spec bike, that would be a Jet Lawrence spec. He would, they're probably very similar in what they would like. That's sick. Yeah. Because my idea would be, I'll just go buy one of them. Like they're still around. And then it's <laughs> like, we fully, fully tear the thing down, full restoration. Like, custom, like if I had to make a pipe, like Yoshi would get Yoshi to make a pipe, like just make it as modern as possible like jets bar bend like just everything to spec because even just to know like how much faster would you go on a new right i mean they're way better but it's like what translates like how i think it would be a super interesting and even just to see jet on a 252 stroke as well like right you know he just skipped that entire yeah you know that entire part of the sport you know right so it'd be very interesting to to see the difference yeah no that'd be fun i think we would probably want to take the reins on building the bike from you no offense oh, okay because well, this happened before with ken 
Oh, really? Yeah, because they wanted uh, Ken, you know, to do straight rhythm real bad, and it, I think uh, it was maybe in his deal too. So they're like, check out this guy. He built this bike on YouTube. Have him, let him have a go, you know. And it's like it's like November before the first, you know, yeah, yeah. Supercross, and we're like, ah, we can't do that. So we had to we we did it, and it ended up being awesome because he won straight rhythm on a twenty or whatever it was at the time. I mean, fifteen year old bike beating all the modern bikes that are brand new. So that that was pretty rad. But um, I feel like I'm down to let the HRC Honda team like you think so help me do the bike I appreciate it I can I'll do a lot of the leg work I'll do some of the yeah vape. that would be good yeah I'll do some of the I'll, uh, I'll do the vapor blasting I'll do all the cleaning I'll do all <laughs> we'll the, let you come by the shop and then we'll, we'll, the we'll, we'll lay out everything that you can you can do that actually would be I'd be down because I'm a full nerd yeah like I'm not the best <laughs> but I'm like a full-blown nerd. I love building bikes I just that's my little favorite pastime yeah That'd be cool. We should definitely do it. Um, <laughs> the The difference between riders is how hard is that to manage sometimes in terms of just what they're asking. Like, so I had a friend who I won't name who did some suspension testing and like uh, rode. He rode Kenny's Honda four fifty, and then he rode Christian's Honda four fifty when they were teammates for outdoors, mm -hmm. and was just like, "Bro, <laughs> fuck Ken Roxon's suspension." <laughs> But Christian Craig sets up the most beautiful motorcycle I've ever ridden. Yeah. So I, it's like, I agree. How is that to deal with? Um, I think you have to kind of, um, I'm going to say swallow your pride or, or your ego, but it's not really the right word to say it either. Because what I like, I've ridden Christian's bikes on when he when we were KYB. I thought his bike was unbelievable. And then I rode it in 20 when he filled in, and that was Shell Showa, and that was unbelievable. Whatever way he pushes the development of his bike fits me awesome. I still talk about Christian's bike from especially cool. from those. Yeah, because it just the feel of the main I guess it's mainly suspension. The what he likes, apparently, is what I like. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just feels plush but firm. And we we talk about this all the time. Um, with you know the guys at the shop and all that, but what I like and like I said, what apparently what he likes is not the same for everyone. There's not one thing, and and yeah, Kenny's a prime example of that. And then um, or Chase, you know, or or someone like you know, they're different different styles. And I can't like when I'm like, you just rode that, and then you rode that. You really didn't pick that. <laughs> That's what I feel like, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it, it just, it makes me realize, like, this guy is one of the gnarliest guys in the world. I think he kind of knows what he likes. And if he doesn't like that and he likes this, it just makes me realize that not everybody's the same. Yeah, there is no objective good. Yeah. There's not, you can't just make, which makes it extremely tough for a production bike, right? To make a one production bike setup. That works good. Like everybody's going to be like, dude, this thing's good. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't, th I don't think it's impossible to make something that's kind of Very right down the middle of the road. Yeah. yeah. And, and whatever. And, uh, but yeah, that when I, those kind of situations make me just kind of realize that like people are so different in what they want. And, um, plenty of people had told ken or ricky back in the day perfect example well, that, that you know? he's the perfect example. yeah like like how are you riding this thing and uh and it's just yeah some people can't they don't understand and but for that guy it makes sense and i mean ken with his setup was kind of a 
especially at the time, maybe 19 and 20 and 21, maybe, um, at Unadilla. His bike is low in the front, kind of soft in the front. At least it looks that way, right? And the shock's up high, and and, and it looks like it's, it would be really nervous that way, like anything would be. And the dude dominates at the <laughs> ruddiest, gnarliest track of the, and yeah. just murders everybody. So um, it's just like it's like the different different strokes for different folks kind of deal, you know. It's 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 hard to understand for me especially. And and so like, where do you draw the line at letting a dude just be like the weirdest guy? <laughs> because <laughs> so I know I, I know a story of Dean Ferris gets signed to CDR Yamaha. And they're basically just like, nah, like that's not how we're doing this suspension because he has like a real funky setup that he likes. He just come off winning a bunch of stuff in Europe and he like had the setup and then went there and they shut it down. And then he basically just cracked the shits, flew to America with stock suspension, but the what like valve for him, like he had his guy do it the way he wanted. And I think that's when he got that third at high point. And then that was a highlight of his year. <laughs> like he just because they, they were not down to like let him go in that direction. And then there's another one. Oh, and then the same thing happened to him when he was riding for Yamaha here when he got the factory ride. Oh yeah, yeah. And they were just like, no, right, not doing it. And they gave him the bike that like they thought worked. So what? Where's the line? Like, have you ever had that situation where it's like you're almost pulling rank? Like, nah, bro, we can't. Like, if some no one can run a Ricky setup from O2 now. Like, <laughs> like is that if like let's say Jet came to you and was like, "This is how I ride, bro." Yeah, it'd be hard to argue with a guy like Jet, and it was hard to argue with a guy like Ricky. I mean, <laughs> I suppose you know yeah. when you go twenty four and zero, and your bike looks like that, you can't really come at him well i mean but even then like we did i mean at that time where it was outdoors was one thing i mean he had those guys handle but supercross the way especially in the whoops like he was it was it was tough for him and we're like hey that's it's because of this and you kind of like have to fight that i guess to try to get them i mean even chase in in outdoors you know like didn't want to run his supercross like chassis and everything like that we we were very confident it was better but the balance for me is like if the rider believes so strongly that he's right, it's going to be tough for you to go, no, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. And like, are you really going to get the best rider, like the best out yeah. of your rider? And um, and also, you know, like uh, Tim Geiser's thing, like happy rider or whatever. Um, the, the guy's got to be happy and, and feeling like you're, you know. So to be able to convince him to do that is, is tough sometimes. Um, but... Then again, I guess I haven't had something where I'm like, you're completely out to lunch, bro. Like you, you we're not, <laughs> yeah. we're not doing that. And some of the things, um, it have to, it have to be really, really out there, and mainly like a safety issue for yeah, us to like go. Throttle, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want two throttles. Yeah, or like some, or like, hey, I drilled a big hole in my frame. Like you know, Back it feels home. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, like, exactly. Hey, bro, we can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, stuff like that is, uh, like you got to kind of like talk to them in a way and we can realize like, okay, this is why it's not just because we don't want to try that. It's, it's tough when it comes to suspension and, you know, guys coming with like what they've brought, like that, I haven't had to deal with that that much, but at the same time, I don't, I don't think that we would be too proud or anything to, to consider other alternatives, you know? 
Like if there's if there's something you love about that, let's figure out what that is and try to make it work with what we've got, you know, while incorporating the things that we know. Yeah. It would probably be more something like that rather than just hell no, we're not doing that, you know, because then then they're just pissed and then they they're like, oh, screw this guy, they don't want to work with me anyways. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. no, makes sense. So for people that are listening to this that might not know that 2002 setup <laughs> <laughs> yeah could you explain to someone that never saw ricky's bike what he was working with yeah i mean it, like the bike in stock form doesn't look too much different than any modern bike currently right like you know height wise and everything like that i think and and i could maybe butcher some of this because at the time like i said 2002 i'd only been working there like a year and a half and i you're really still on didn't. the broom at this point yeah a hundred percent yeah and so anyways but i mean his subframe was cut like right now we we talk about cutting subframes and we're like five mil sometimes like getting a little bit crazy two and a half mil we'll cut that you know that's nothing i mean you know what two and a half mil looks like on your, when you open your finger if you, people that don't know it's like that yeah it's not a quarter of a centimeter yeah so that's your butt getting that much further down right on yeah. the thing i mean ricky's we were like minus 30 like the the suffering was like so low and um not only that but his his shock was really soft and extremely dead like the rebound was so strong that it like it would it would just come in and just slowly come back you know and be soft and and any video you watch him riding the back end of the bike is way down and it's doing this but he loved it like he just he never wanted it to hit him in the butt so that and then the seat would be uh, like cut down the seat was cut down and for a while we had like xr foam <laughs> out of a <laughs> out of an xr like 600 or 400 <laughs> or something that that foam cut onto our seat and he would bring the seat from his house sometimes and be like here's my seat and it'd be thrashed and goose is like bro like we have a brand new seat and he's like yeah but this one feels good so like put this one on, put a new seat cover on it and run it for the race fork wise i think it was probably somewhat normal but because the rear was so low it you know know. but the biggest thing i guess was his handlebars like he his bar mounts like now we would we would never we used to have a top clamp with a front hole mount which is basically like kind of what stock is now and a back so there was like the way that they designed it was was really cool like they've had it forever the the clamps design of our bar mounts on on hrc is same that it's been since like the 90s wow yeah it's it's basically the same concept it's you have the front mount and then you can go back three back six back nine and if you go to the back hole if you went back nine it'd be the opposite like you would get to what if if it was like back 12 yeah yeah yeah. and then you can go back 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 and then you can go back the other way he had like back nine off the back hole mount way back there and his handlebars roll down to where they're like all the way down and they're 999s whatever so they're like really low they're, yeah, they're still, no sweep just flat oh and they're way down like this and it was i mean and i wrote it like that actually we did a magazine like tryout or like they we let like dirt rider or somebody ride it and we wouldn't let them change the bars it was like you got to ride it like that it was super funny but super hard to ride but i remember riding that thing that you'd go over uh, like a, a kicker breaking bunk or something like that and you wouldn't even feel it the back would just soak it up and you just went in the turn. I guess if you had a bunch of them and you started packing and then then it's doing this, that'd be another story like it did for him a lot. But it was kind of a crazy cool feeling to have that much rebound and not have the thing do anything. You literally, like you went through it like you never went through a bump. And then, you know, if, as long as it wasn't too many of them, it was, it was great, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that his whole setup, um, as far as 
rear and and handlebar everything else was pretty normal i guess you know when it comes to the engine setup and and all and all that um gearing whatnot but yeah that was that was pretty gnarly that was that was a trip and what was he looking for out of it like what uh, did he so he didn't want to get kicked in the rear which makes sense because short legs yep. uh i got kicked uh well vets one time like bad on the hill and i was i had my first moment of being like oh fuck this <laughs> like thinking about what pro actual pros yeah. have to deal with and i i got so fucking scared i thought that was done yeah so like he obviously was trying to ride around like having to basically worry about that yeah and he he was coming off the cowie and the cowie was still to this day i think has a kind of the 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 um it's like a rear weight bias kind yeah of. exactly so at least that's what people say so you know like rv loved the back low kind of thing that's kind of what he did so coming off that cowie where he already had that kind of feel he got an r bike and then he made it even more like trying to make it feel the way he was comfortable from the past so but yeah i never wanted to get hit in in the butt because he was already you know pretty short so he was just looking for that but it obviously you know he was able to win the championship in 02 but it was i don't i'm not sure if he would agree but I, I would imagine that's one of his hardest championships he's ever had to win because he crashed at the first race and like you know like when he went over the bars and into the whoops yeah and he had to come back from that like dnfing that race and still won the championship and won a bunch of races but it was also the most difficult and then he had to deal with chad who was a beast in the whoops and he had to be better so then he he was able to work his way up bring the rear up a little bit handlebars up a little bit and then, in, like I said, in 04, his outdoor bike was, like, not that bad compared to any of that. It was way way different than than what he had in 02. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just so cool to hear because, like, that is iconic. And, like, it feels like nowadays everyone's kind of in the ballpark. Yeah. Like, there's not really crazy setups in the, in the way that there used to be. And it's kind of cool looking back now that that yeah. was the best dude and he had the most unique setup. Yeah. Except for the Lawrence's uh, levers or levers, as you like to say. Yeah, yeah. They're and like so far in. The one thing, I don't know, I might, we can cut this bit out too, but like they're steering, dude. Yeah, it's weird, huh? Bro. Like, <laughs> I don't know if they, like, if that's like a secret thing, but holy fuck. Yeah. No, I mean, I think they've, it's not really a secret, but uh, if you push the handlebar on the, you know, push the, try to make the bar turn like this and you just push the left, the entire bike will turn on the stand, like easily. Yeah, it's it's but you know the same thing there like you might get to a team and they go no we're not doing that like they came from geico and they had a steering damper and they they had to have it um it was wasn't going to be like one of those things where we're like even though we don't think we need that anymore like we did before it's just like you know if that's what makes you comfortable or whatever well, let's let's see how it goes so we had to make that work because it didn't come stock anymore yeah well i, I asked jet and florida on the shoot and I was just like, what's the deal? And he's like, I just had a head shake. Yeah. But you just said, I guess in Ricky's like hitting the, getting hit in the ass, maybe sometimes it's just like that simple, obviously. It's just like one thing, if I don't have this, I'm sweet. Yeah. And yeah, Jet was like, I fucking hate head shake. Never want to get it in my life. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And <laughs> well, I, I, that I, seems like it would stop that. <laughs> a lot of those things too. I think Darren, you know, growing up, like he was kind of learning everything on his own. So he, I know that the lever thing, right? Like they, they were kind of on a, on a tight budget. 
if the thing crashes and the lever's out there, they're going to break. You know, they were in, you know, and I think I'm sure at the same time he's going, man, there's better leverage out here yeah. because they're way in so I can grab them here. And all those things come into play because he's Darren's a total thinker, you know. And uh, so he's just like, hey, this is what you're going to do. You know, you can put a lot of different stuff on up somebody's bike. And if they can't or if you crash right mid moto and you bend your lever or do something or tweak the front end, you're like for that first lap maybe you're like dude oh i, I yeah. can't right and then you get used to it and then you're like oh i didn't even think about it after that <laughs> yeah. and, I, and i think that's with anything you know like they they probably had a theory of like man if we make this really tight it might stay in the rut better or you might not get as much head shake and 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 they might go like no i don't like that and then no you're running it because this is going to be better and then they get used to it and then it's good yeah. like i think a lot of that happens but it definitely is is a little different speaking of darren how what's like where does he rank like you've been around for a long time like have you ever seen a dad that's like him in terms of because we all know the moto dad for one like that's a characterized figure within yeah. the sport that it's like hey bro like just let your kid do their thing it's over like you did a good <laughs> you did a good job like you got him here you got him to the dance hands off the wheel let the professionals take, <laughs> take it from here you know and you would say for 99.9% of people, that's the best route to take. That's the most balanced route to take. That's the route that would guarantee that you don't run into like some of the money issues that people have run into in this sport. And just the generally letting your kid have a chance to like become not a kid and stand on their own two feet, you know. And so we know that guy. And then there's Darren. Yeah. <laughs> who seems like he's kind of broken the mold and man i know there's a lot of amateur parents that are trying to be darren lawrence and like there's going to be a lot of darren lawrence ripoffs <laughs> that start <laughs> to try and make their way into supercross but for someone like you that's just seen so many generations of riders and parents and those relationships like what does like what's your thoughts on the way that he's able to interact with like the boys and the team um i think that i mean for one to to be Darren Lawrence, you'd have to be very genuine. You got to be a genuine person. You got to be in it for the right reasons. For the right reasons, and not only that, but the way that they that he grew up and the way that he has raised the boys too. Like Darren doesn't really care that much about money, you know. Like as long as they have enough to survive. I mean, they've been through the road of not, you know, not <laughs> yeah, having a lot, there, right? Yeah. And I mean the the boys get like you know they got you know they have basically matching ferraris i mean i don't know some of the some of the things that they they've earned you know by being so successful like darren doesn't give a crap about that he still just rocks up in the <laughs> darren, same truck he doesn't care like he's yeah. he like jet's got this new you know rolls royce whatever and he's just like yeah that's lame like he's got his camaro and that's you know way cheaper but you know he's into the engine and tuning and making a list and his favorite thing i think right now is they they did invest some money and buy that that big ass water, water truck, truck. <laughs> i mean he is stoked on that thing <laughs> yeah so for him like he's that kind of person that's grown up and he is just totally fine with having just enough to get by working on the farm using his hands getting dirty doing all those kind of things and making you know like progress you know and rather than you know now having having the money or trying to buy these things or getting expensive things like that doesn't that's not for him he doesn't care um so first off you got to be willing to be that guy right to like, yeah true yeah and um and then also he he is um he's like mr mcgyver you know 
he's like he, he likes to try to fix and do these things and if, <laughs> yeah. and if there's an issue he wants to be able to help solve them so he like gets super invested he and he he's like obviously like such a thinker you know like he's like what if maybe this is why this is happening and he's got his own theories and everything um so i think that he, the way that he works is a little bit different than a lot of of, of people because he he has theories and all these things but he's willing he wants to have discussions about them and and if you're if he if he, he might come to us and go hey i think that our bike would be better in the whoops if you know when i watched them ride no and he watched he's watching them ride every, every day yeah, yeah so he sees every little thing that they've done and i can kind of relate because with my son i'm watching him you know like a hawk like we're doing hockey right i'm watching every little thing he does and i'm going okay what can he do better if, if i he needs to do this better how can i teach him how to do that i can't tell him and yell at him he's not that kind of kid you know like i can't go freaking do it dummy you know like yeah, some, some parents yeah, yeah. can do that to their kid and they're and they respond yeah chad was like that yeah. you know his dad would be be and or tell him that he can't do it and and really get them really pissed off and then they yeah, just chad Rrr. runs on aggression yeah yeah, yeah yeah and then there's kids that just doesn't work with and, I, and my son's one and it's kind of like like i think jet's the same um you got to try to make it fun for them and do things like that. And, and, and hopefully it comes, I mean, I think with Jet, a lot of those things he watch Hunter and then it would come pretty naturally, but um, he, he's good at, at that and having those discussions and, and we can kind of like go back and forth. And if we have a reason why we know that it won't work or if we tried it and this is why you show him that you had, you took these steps and why it didn't work. And he's like, ah, I got it. All right, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, let's not go that way. Let's go maybe something else. That you know, like, and that's just full humility. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And, and being and, in it for the exact right reasons. Right, right. And he's and he really wants to make improvements, and it's it has nothing to do with an ego or him. You know, just being a hard ass and going like, no, like you know, we're gonna do this my way or whatever. He's he's able to be a teammate rather than just like you know, the guy that that's making all these decisions and stuff. So it makes it easier to work with him when, when you can have real conversations and, and discussions rather than, you know, him just trying to be the boss kind of forces ideas on you. Kind yeah. of thing. And how much impact does he make? Do you think a lot actually? And, and I mean, cause he, I think he makes impact with the actual motorcycle, like whatever, but the biggest impact he makes is with his, the boys. his boys, you know, like, yeah. I've said this to him a bunch of times and I've gone to him for advice on parenting because the fact that the boys are um, willing and like listening to him, I mean, you know, that doesn't happen very often. Like with any kid, like if, like I said, like with my kid with, with hockey and if I'm trying to tell him like, and I play hockey, so I, I know, and I'm like, dude, you, you got to do it this way. And he's just like looking at me like, you know, and I, it freaking pisses you off. Cause I'm like, I'm like, dude, I also want to like tell him like how good are you at hockey and how good am I? Pretty freaking like a lot better than you. Shouldn't you listen to me? And he's still just like, you know, it's just typical kid with your dad. You got to have somebody else do it. Yeah. But they don't mind listening to Darren at all, and they they take what he's. I mean, maybe they'll give him some crap, but um, no, you are right. Yeah, they 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 he talks to them and he's able to have that relationship with them where he can sit him down and go no like this is why this is why this and you need to do this and you know even testing he'll be like (laughs) 
Jed was right. Like last week, we were at the test track. And uh, actually, at this point, I wasn't even there I, uh, on that day. Um, but the, um, they were saying that uh, he's he's trying some parts on his on or Hunter was trying some parts on his bike. And Jet's like done riding, you know, and he's 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 done for the day. And um, he's like, hey, Hunter or hey, Jet, come over here and test uh, Hunter's bike. And I want you to see if you feel whatever it is that Hunter's feeling. And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm I'm done. Like, I'm not riding anymore because I'm, I'm beat or whatever. And, and 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 Darren can just be like, let me rephrase rephrase that. Get your ass over here and ride <laughs> Hunter's bike and tell us what you think. And he's like, ah, you know, <laughs> like that kind of stuff, you know, can only happen if Darren's there to do it because what are they going to do, fire him? You know, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, so um, that kind of stuff is, is he's super valuable at. And like, luckily, both of them, like the same direction and bike like you okay like you know like if if one guy rode like villapoto and then the other guy rode like you know ken roxon um it, you probably couldn't set the bike up the same right but luckily they they got the same technique basically like you yeah. said earlier and and they 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 seem to usually like the same thing although i think you know hunter's shocks maybe not as stiff as as jet and might be because of the height and the weight and you know yeah. he's able to load it but for the most part they're almost identical so they can go back and forth which helps them because then you know it's like you have a clone of yourself telling you like agreeing with you going yeah that was better or like now you're right that does feel a little weird maybe we should keep working on it stuff like that um but without darren there, kind of like facilitating that it doesn't happen so um and then he's also man with their confidence and all those things like that he's he's he should really get like another career in like motivational speaking or something like that yeah. maybe, and maybe not speaking like in a to a group of people but like just like a mentor yeah shit exactly yeah, yeah he's, he he's unreal like. yeah he's awesome and the way he's able to to talk uh, you know and and yeah like motivate people it's uh it i definitely study him you know quite a bit it's funny like again yeah because my wife's just so on the outside you know and like she was at that shoot in florida right. with us and that we left and she was we were driving out of the the compound and she knows i'm close and i've known him forever and stuff and she's just like well pretty obvious why the boys are so good and i it was just out of nowhere and mm. i'm like oh why she's like how's the dad she's <laughs> like darren's amazing like he he is like he you, she could just see how he rubbed off on those guys, you mm -hmm. know, and it's just, yeah, the dude. And it's funny because uh, to me, like, that's just a salt of the earth. Like we yeah. would say that's a salt of the earth Aussie bloke. Heck yeah. You know, like he's the guy. My dad's very similar in a lot of ways, like just that MacGyver kind of. Yeah, like that, same with mine. <laughs> that spirit, you know, and like there's something about in Oz, it's like very common to do a trade. Mm. so you go you don't go to university you right know, like you just trading school yeah so it's like <laughs> year 10 you're 15 years old and then you're just a man like you're working my dad was a boiler maker so he was just welding yeah <laughs> you know at 15 he just goes and you're just around these like old school hard men from when you're a young dude yeah and like darren has like that aussie grit yeah and it's like you're starting from the bottom and there's, you know, you don't have money, you don't have career options, you don't, like, there's just all of these, um, like, limits in a way put on you, just of, like, where you are, the country you're born, the time you were born in, like, so he's such an amazing product of 
that time. Yeah. You know, do the most with what you got and you haven't got much and right. you work all day and it's all on you. Like, I mean, it's one of those things, like, as I got a bit older, I look back at my dad and my child. It's all those things you said, you yeah. know, with like your son, like, like dad used to race supercross and motocross in australia i wouldn't listen to anything said, you know? <laughs> but it's like that old school aussie kind of upbringing and i just think darren's like such an awesome example of that and it's like it's rare in oz now yeah. you know like that time like he's from a period of time that created like a really you know unique type of dude and it's like yeah he just comes across as such a, a special guy like whether you interact with him just on a personal level or if it's yeah. like meeting your wife or your kid or whatever and then on like the the technical motorcycle level and then like that motor, motivational speaker level it's just like it's got to be such a crazy part of their success yeah yeah for sure and then to keep them keep the boys level-headed enough even when they have all the success to you know like be at home and still have to do the dishes and things yeah, like that yeah. that they do you know whatever and and their personality wise they're they're obviously way different you know with hunter being already basically a man at whatever age he you know what is and living on his own where jet's like nah we're we're He's not, we're not there yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is cool like you know like um uh it's it's cool to see but um but that's where he you know having to balance like i said earlier when, when you have a kid that needs to kind of get that kick in his ass to like get to where he is versus a kid that isn't going to respond to that at all. And that's kind of where I feel like I need to be at with, as a manager with like just employees too, you know, yep. some, some guys are, are, are hard enough to like, you, you got to like be on them and, and kind of talk crap a little bit to them, you know, yeah. other guys are not the same, you know, so you got to treat them differently and finding what that is, is, is tough. And that's the kind of stuff like for him, two different types of boys, they take two different types of, of upbringing, you know, or like teaching and he's, he's really good at that. So, um, yeah, that's where I've kind of tried to learn from him a little bit. Um, so switch gears a tiny little bit on you. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about some music stuff with you. Oh, okay. So you've been playing guitar for what, like 15 years? Yeah. Oh seven. When I worked for K-Dub, yeah. um, I, uh, that, whole supercross season um guitar hero was like big yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh me and one of my really good friends chris Layton, he was driving the 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 geico truck or, yep. the, or factor connection whatever we were sponsored at the time and i was working for i was in kept with Wyndham in one trailer and then he was driving the 250 trailer and so like i said like we we're like super tight right so then um we got into guitar hero and then we would have it and like at the time with the the tvs in the in the hotels You'd have to like, you know, like bypass the little like there was some kind of like um, like protector right, so that you couldn't like put in your own crap. So we had to like rig jerry rig that thing to make it work. And like every hotel we were at, dude, we'd like we'd just be jamming, <laughs> and it, and we started getting like pretty good to the point where it was like almost embarrassing, you know, or like you you know you're spending way too much because I was with them on the road a lot. Like I drove the semi, all these things like you know I'm not sure if i was supposed to be but i, I what you know like it, was, <laughs> yeah. it was awesome and then um so uh at some point i'm like dude this is dumb like i'm like I'm my hand so good well i'm like getting good like thing, yeah. yeah like i got like the timing down i've always wanted to play guitar i had like an acoustic that i borrowed from my buddy for a couple of weeks and i remember i'd learned like a couple little like like licks or riffs or whatever but barely anything and it was like cool but i didn't have the discipline to like just go for it 
And so in 07, I decided, I'm like, screw it, dude. I'm getting a guitar. I'm going to take, like, lessons. I'm just going to, like, commit to, like, learning how to play. So at Detroit in in 2007, I remember we went to a guitar center. I bought a I bought a Les Paul. Oh, duh. yeah, and and then I bought like this amp, like whatever, with kind of the this, the typical style of practice amp that everybody yep. gets with the different, you know, sounds and 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 everything. And uh, and then I started taking lessons from uh, a guy that I knew in Torrance by by Honda. My one of the kids that worked with us, um, his brother was a uh, was an awesome guitar player, Jason Baxter, and uh, he. So I took lessons from him like once a week and like just really kind of like committed to like, all right, dude, I'm going to do the not so fun stuff, like the finger practices and everything. And um, and then also, you know, like getting to play some riffs too. So yeah, I started playing then. And then I played quite a bit, not like tons. It's not like I was in band or anything like that, but just, you know, got better and better. And then um, I still have guitars and stuff. I just don't play that much anymore, but I still pick it up every once in a while. So yeah, super super into that what so what sort of music did you like playing the most like what sort of style did you end up when it was just free time playing guitar yeah it, it kind of like um it kind of goes between like uh like alice in chains like you yeah. know like grunge and, yeah. and uh and even the, some of those 90s bands that i was obviously into um metallica of course guns and roses kind of the typical guitar stuff and then um and then the more i got into uh playing guitar and you know um not just acoustic but you know playing electric stuff i i wanted to play a little bit more heavy like heavy metal stuff so that kind of stuff but then dude i'm i'm all over the place like i could play like or it could be like leonard skinnerd yeah type of stuff um or whatever i'll listen to almost anything but it, it ends up being something like that or like a or like you know learning some Beatles song or something like that especially when it, when you're going like i don't i don't pick up acoustic or uh, electric that much because it just you know nobody wants to hear an electric when you're just jamming like like in the house um but acoustics fine you know so i grab that in the morning when i'm drinking my coffee or something like that that's sick yeah did you so when you it's funny like when you when you were saying that you were playing guitar and stuff like that i was like i i've only just started playing again so i played when i was a kid i played like the whole way through at school but i had lessons for like a little bit when i was i think it was like grade four or something like that but i just never i didn't really enjoy the yeah. lessons so yeah, then yeah. when I I had like an electric and a acoustic guitar when I was a kid but I I just tried to learn songs like I never actually learned music yeah and learn did you so I, did you learn much of that no I I mean I just do when I was gonna learn I was just learning tabs yeah. you know stuff like that I mean learning the music part of it didn't seem like it was like worth it yeah for just playing guitar for fun like it's not like I, if I was gonna be trying to be like a piano guy or 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 playing like you know legit like even like the a lot of the rock stars right or or, oh, or yeah. top rock guys they don't know how to read music you know? <laughs> yeah if you do you're like pretty special out it seems like but um but yeah so i never really like took too much time to learn that. yeah it's funny the that's what got me back into it like this time around it was only like a couple months ago i just randomly started watching like i started because i've always just loved music my whole life and I started with like rap songs. I'd like be listening to so much Drake and I'm like, this guy's so <laughs> fucking good. Like, how is he this good at like making songs? And so I would just like be listening to it all the time and I'd stop listening to it to listen to the music. I'd more be like trying to figure out like what he's doing, like the different cadences, like where he's rhyming. What. So I just kind of started geeking yeah. <laughs> on like 
on that. And then I randomly, a couple months ago, just started watching like, because there'd be so much stuff that I knew, but I knew like from tabs and from, like it was all memory. Like there's still, even now, like I can still play like the Unforgiven solo. Oh, really? <laughs> Which like, <laughs> I, could ne- I could never pick up a guitar. Well, yeah, it'd be, oh, it would have been, I don't know, maybe like 10, 15 years since I played guitar and I could still play that because That's it funny. took me so long yeah. to learn how to play it. I can just pick up any guitar anywhere and play that. And there's like a few <laughs> other like little things. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't know why. I just got like super interested in like the musical theory side of it mm. and like more guitar theory so yeah only a couple months ago i've just started like i'm not trying to learn any songs yeah i'm just get same thing get with coffee in the morning yeah and i'm just like okay what's this chord progression why do these notes go together like what notes make up this and then like trying to find the like the pentatonic scale like up and down and yeah, across yeah. like then actually learn the fret but like so anyway i'll just that kind of stuff I do know. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When it comes to like reading music and and all that, like you know, the, I'm not. I don't really know much of that, but I did learn quite a bit of of the notes. You yeah. know. Yeah. And then yeah, like some scales and things like that, and 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 obviously the different types of chords and why they work and major minor and 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 um, diminished or whatever. And you know, yeah. like a lot yeah. of those circle of fifths too. Like why all those things go together. But that that's where it started getting like probably um i needed to kind of like elevate to an, another level and um if i wanted to be good what would have really like helped me was if i could have you know met some people kind of been in some kind of band even if it was just just for fun, for fun yeah. yeah and to be with some people that that knew you know like what was going on so they could kind of go like like we're gonna do this but this is your deal and you're not yeah. doing that right and whatever um so that would have been you know a whole nother thing but then you know like the job the life you know um getting married things like that like priorities change you know so yeah um so now i'm just like it would be it's fun when i have some friends and we have a little jam room at, at my house so just the other night actually um my buddy was over and we went out in the jam room and and you know his wife was like singing and oh sick. stuff like that was fun you know like just you know after a couple of drinks so <laughs> yeah 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 that's like that's uh that's pretty much how I like what I want to do is just basically have a little little room, a little studio and just like basically go in and just like play some chords on the piano, yeah, loop it, you know, fuck around on the guitar and just see yeah. what, what kind of works right when it comes to, you know, just more that theory side. I just feel like it's just some random itch to scratch that yeah, like because I played for so long but – I forgot everything basically. And like technically like I can still, you know, move my fingers around and like I kind of, there's definitely a bunch of chord progressions where it's like you got that muscle memory right. sort of no matter what. But yeah, I just got very, I don't know, like almost wanted to like relive, yeah. <laughs> relive my childhood. It's like, <laughs> oh, I can buy the amps, I can buy this, I can buy whatever. Yeah. So it's like it'd be fun to go back yeah, and, yeah. and kind of learn it. It's such a cool skill to have. Yeah, for sure. I, w- I would love to like play like or get into like piano and try to learn that because you can play piano anywhere and everybody's like you, you don't even have to n- play anything as long as you kind of got some st- stuff together people are like happy to hear it yeah, yeah you know whereas not a lot of other um, um, instruments are like that you know definitely not with the, in the guitar like if you're gonna play something on the guitar it, it kind of needs to sound 
correct for people to be like, okay, cool, yeah. like, let me hear more. You know, like most people are like, you know, you, you play some guitar stuff or whatever, and they're like, okay, yeah, unless they're really into it, I guess. But, um, and drums, like, how can you, you can't play drums when people are like into it? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's got to be special too. But piano, though, you can do that almost anywhere. Uh, have you, you know, I've, it's like, it's just funny because I've kind of only like just gone back into this world, but you see, like, is it Tim Henson? Is that his name? I'm not sure. Oh, man, there's a the Polyphonia, you know, that group. Uh-uh. Man, did, did you do like the YouTube thing with guitar? And yeah. Like, man, there's, a, I've kind of just gone back into the rabbit hole. I cannot believe what people can do on a guitar now. Oh, yeah, yeah, It is insane. I think it, Tim Tim Henson, I think the guy's name is, but there's like videos. I'll show you some links after this. There's like videos of him as a kid. And it's like him playing like the Metallica and all that at like 10 years old yeah. and just shredding. And so now he has a band called Polyphonia mm. and it's basically just like a guitar band. It's just like the ultimate guitar flex for six minutes. <laughs> and then there's just all these videos of people like trying to break down is like how to play it and all that sort of stuff. But man, I just could not believe it. Like yeah. just the level that that generation. And it makes sense because it's silly as it sounds like Guitar Hero – like I remember I wasn't really – once I left school because we were in like we had school bands and all that sort of shit. Once I left school, I just didn't. I moved away from my parents. I don't even know where the guitars are now. Like, <laughs> yeah. They probably went to, you know, Lifeline or whatever. And uh, you just – you move on. But I remember I'd play Guitar Hero. I'd be like, this actually isn't that far off, like <laughs> actually playing guitar. Really. Yeah, yeah. Like really, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that obviously was like – the stasic of mm. of instruments to where like in mountain biking now like jackson goldstone's a dude that's like sh- just fully ripping and he's like a fucking strider kid <laughs> <laughs> you know like so the progression with like things like the internet and things like guitar hero it's like you just end up speeding up the evolution of yeah. that discipline by so much yeah yeah it's crazy yeah some of the guys on you know it almost makes you um, you know, question if you even want to get into it because that's there, exa- <laughs> there's so many people that are so damn good, yeah, and they're nobodies, you know, like yeah. so it it yeah it um it like when you see that and you're like how is that guy not famous or you know so they're just like man you got to be doing something different than everybody you almost got to get a little lucky I'm sure I mean trying to become a musician and make it is got to be freaking one in a million it's insane eh? and like. That that's funny. So I'm I'm just going into like the whole YouTube rabbit hole with the guitar thing, and then I'm like, I literally have that thought. I'm like, do I really? Like my wife was saying, like, just we're staying at friends, and he's got a guitar, and we're we're there for like weeks before I even picked it up. She's like, just pick up the guitar and play it. I'm like, I just don't, I don't even know if I want to now. Like I've just seen all this, and it's like discouraging. Yeah, how good can you get? And like with jiu-jitsu i've been doing that for like six years and it's like fuck the amount of effort that it took to get good at that but that was sort of one of the things where i was like oh i got pretty good at that and it was you learned the language mm-hmm. you know so it's like it's got this physical component to it that you have to do but i basically went so deep on the the theory of it and like the learning and the study that you just end up being able to like speak the language. So like you do the thing physically and it's all coming from like the, the kind of background knowledge. Yeah. So then I was like, man, maybe that's just like the, 
the way that you do it. So that's a kind of just piqued my curiosity. But you're yeah. so right. You see those dudes <laughs> on YouTube and you're just like, what? what is the point of yeah. learning fucking scar tissue by, by <laughs> chili peppers right now? Yeah. You know? uh, that's crazy. You, you had Sete Gibber now? On? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was here? No, was I did that in Spain. Spain, yeah. Spain yeah, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Like I, just, I was scrolling through your thing and I, I'm like, I got to listen to that guy because that's that, watching him and rossi battle back in the day you know i, I borrowed a cbr 1000 like triple r to come here you know oh and because i want i didn't want to sit in traffic right i wondered what bike you actually rode yeah yeah, yeah. so i i just borrowed and it it's like all that uh, unbelievable you know like thing is freaking spaceship so <laughs> it's just like blows me away that um that you can even buy that thing for the street because it's so badass like <laughs> It's like you know Star Wars when the things come like they go to light speed. And it goes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if you want it, it's, it, that is it. You know, it's crazy. But anyways, well, that made me think of that because uh, that Jimber now thing. I got to listen to that because he never won after Rossi told him he would never win again, huh? Dude, great man. It's gnarly too. Like that. Have you listened to it yet? I haven't listened oh, to it. Okay. I just I just remember watching those races and then when he when him and Rossi get into and, and I think Jimenez it was like, smashed him. it was. Spain too. Oh really? I'm pretty sure it was Jerez. Yeah. Where where that went down. And, and then, hometown. Like. Yeah. And he told him he'd never win again. And then he never did and he retired. Like Well, I think like I won't spoil it all for you if you go back and listen to it, but that really just I think that killed him inside mm. because more from not the past and everything, but like I think he expected the sport would act differently. Mm. Because it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> like that was like some Vince Freeze shit. Yeah. And it's like that wasn't really a thing in the sport. And yeah. I think he'd gone his whole life thinking he was doing a certain sport. Yeah. And then that one thing was like, nah, bro, we're here for Rossi. Like, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. don't give a fuck about what's right or wrong. I think that was like literally a, this is wrong. Yeah. And it, he just fully... Nobody did anything, and then he just—I think it just like killed his wow. killed his vibe, eh? Yeah, that's crazy. How but the... yeah, he's a man, such a nice guy. We actually went to um, we after the Spanish F one a couple of years ago. We went to his house and rode. Like he's got like the little. He's actually got the little Honda. Really? Yeah. That I'll, I'll send you some pictures. Like go kart track style. Yeah. So he's got the sickest track, <laughs> and then he's got these little Honda um nsr the, yeah like the little mini bike kind yeah. of deals like like street bike or a little dirt bike it's like a little road bike yeah like a 110 version of yeah a, nsr probably or is that what like they that. are yeah i think so at least they're what, nsr 50 and then whatever yeah but yeah so we all went and rode those That's and like so man he has like this whole philosophy like i left there just with the biggest like man crush on <laughs> i was like you are like, I would love to be like you. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you are the man. That's cool. And, uh, yeah, he's just, like, the nicest guy. He still rips, dude. He took us all. It was, like, me, Cooper, and um, and Danny Rick. And he took us all on the back. He had a Motard 450 with, like, it was a two-up. And it had these bars on it that you kind of would lean off. Mm. And it basically, it was, like, to teach you how much you could lean mm -hmm. on a road bike have you have you done any track days i done yeah yeah not in a while but i used to do it quite a bit oh like you were like into, into yeah it and doing it yeah oh, yeah like me, me and my brother were like in 2003 four five six something like that um did quite a bit of them so and a couple of little like the 
novice races, whatever. Oh, but, really? But it was like to get your racing license, you had to do like these three races. So it wasn't like a real thing, but it was still, still at least I got cool to line luck. up and yeah, do a start. Yeah, that's not Crush everybody on the start because nobody knows how to start, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> After moto, you know, like those, I'm like, dude, what are you guys doing? <laughs> that's but, awesome. But yeah, that was super fun. But yeah, you know, like you can, you just almost like stand the bike up and l- l- throw as much weight as you can on like the inside of the bike. Mm. I think that, to teach a person that very very counterintuitive especially if you go dirt bikes forever right so he basically just chucked us all on the back of this thing he's like make your head touch the ground Mm. basically he's like i'll stay up straight like the how much this bike turns is based on like where you're gonna put your weight yeah but yeah we all just left there just being like holy fuck (laughs) what a legend (laughs) yeah yeah so that's cool i didn't know you were that into the road yeah i I went to uh, mcdewin has a a place too you know with with the go-kart track and it's all through the hills there have you been to it i've been there twice actually one time with jeremy when we were in australia racing and one time with chad so we got to drive his go-karts and they were monsters crazy it eh? was they were 450s yeah yeah and like i remember like you couldn't use first gear don't even try Second gear was just like death machine because it was spinning everywhere. And then third gear was just traction. Oh, my God, it was so fast. But they were kind of like not the – they were a little bit worn out. But, damn, they were fun. He's still got that place. Yeah. It's all that track and stuff still there. You should see – do you follow Jack's career at all? Um, yeah, I was because he was doing uh, – like trying to get the Formula 1, right? Yeah, I think he won the F2 on the like the last F2 race. Yeah, yeah. Ago. I've seen his name that yeah. he's, he's – so yeah, hopefully at some point he'll you know well, I think make it. I'll check I'll check before this gets posted, but I think he just signed his Alpine deal. Oh yeah. So he's like reserve so he's not racing right. anything next year. So he's like in the res- just full time in the reserve, yeah. like and he's I think he's with him for a, a bit, but I don't want to speak to our school there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's like crushing it and man, from when he was like twelve, we'd yeah. be going over there and like just watching and he fully sends that yeah. track dude it's absolutely insane so yeah, i'd say he would have flogged every single gut yeah uh, that was on the property yeah. at the time i remember he was just a little kid there that was hanging out you know so it was, it was kind of cool and uh, yeah i remember being there with you know he's got his helicopter in there whatever whichever one at the time rex i think he was like yeah and then but that was an experience getting to see all his gp bikes at his house and oh how and, amazing uh, is that yeah what a legend that's awesome. He is he is one of the one of the gnarliest dudes I've ever met. Yeah. There's not many people I get fully intimidated by. I've known him forever. I still get intimidated. Yeah. By. He's just so gnarly. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, mate, we just did three hours and uh this was unreal. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'll, no worries. That's fun. Love to get you back on uh again at some point. I'm glad we you come in before A one. Any predictions? Yeah. You want to throw some predictions out hmm. at us before we wrap it up? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I, what I, what I can say is that I just getting through the first race, you know, is, is important for me. Like, even if it's not the best result, just getting through and getting the season going. I, I think that if we're, if we're in the top five, at least, you know, I'll be, I'll be happy. Um, but of course, you know, with the momentum that we have, it would be, I'd be surprised if we if we don't have a, a good weekend, a really good weekend with the podium. Um, but um, but then again, I'm I'm really excited for for Joe. And yeah, I'm, yeah, and, I'm, and I the way he's been riding, and you know his not just that, but like his whole um, attitude and everything, and him coming back to Honda now finally, it's like 
I think it would be such a cool story to see him be able to win. So um, just excited. He's already to got Dagan running. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, but his mechanic broke his femur, so they had to they had to go to East. Is that what it is? No, I don't know. But <laughs> you know, Duff. He, he, uh, I know, poor he, bugger. I know. Yeah, landed on some dude's bike. He said, but he's so. the best dude, eh? Yeah, he's he cool. is such a good dude. Yeah, he was on our team in twenty. You know, with Brayton. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's he's uh, he's a he's a character for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyways, um, so that's the reason why. So Deegan's not dodging Joe. He, he, it's because of he Duffy. There's no way he could let somebody else take his rider to A one. That's true. Yeah, that's what I told him, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, man, I, I think Joe's in for an awesome season. Yeah, like he just got stronger and stronger and stronger last year. You know, back with with you guys, I think the environment is is obviously going to be rad for him. And then, what about Hunter? The expectations. Yeah, I know. I I. He's kind flying of, under the radar. For sure, yeah, yeah. And he seems like with the amount of talent that there is, I I think that, uh, you know, I, I think everybody's prediction is like kind of maybe a four to eight kind of guy. And that's probably where it where he should be. But he's so gnarly at like, he's kind of like Chad where he has so much belief in himself and he won't be happy if he's not, towards the front of the pack so so i think i'm gonna like agree with him that I, I think he will be you know really close to the front and and a podium contender every weekend um and i just think that he was so good at paris with like two and a half weeks on the bike you know crazy eh? yeah and and so now he's had time to get used to the bike tweak on the bike because he really didn't have much time to do any, any he was kind of just riding jets yeah up, basically yeah basically and even jet didn't have a ton of time to test supercross with whoops and everything compared to you know like having a setup that we'd already ridden with last year or anything so um shoot i mean i i think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what kind of starts we get i think what you know we're, we've worked hard on that too so um man i i don't want to say too much but I, i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty excited I think it'll be good. Sick. Well, mate, thanks so much. Cool. Yeah, thank that you. It was awesome. Yeah, appreciate it. Legend.